Porkfest 19. 19, I've been going probably, I think this is the 14th year for me, since 08, whatever that is, do the math. And what we're going to be doing, we have a round table today. We've got uh, James Babb, say hello. Hello. And Michelle, go ahead and give your full name and your project. Michelle McCartney, and I own Granite Mines Homeschooling Center. Okay, and Patrick. Hey, guys, it's Patrick Binder. And, yeah, see, I can read you. you got to really yell it, okay? But um, what we're going to do is Michelle has, uh, Brian Becker has a facility. It's a nice home with offices in it and so on. It has space that he wanted something like this to happen. Mm -hmm. And uh, you come along, and I want you to describe what you're offering you know, to people as a use of facility for education. Go ahead and describe it for us, will you, Michelle, where it's at and what you're doing. And, oh, yeah, we'll get to the why, 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 why. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Michelle. Yeah, so we have a community center right in Ware, New Hampshire, and the community center is really based around education. So it's great because we have a whole lot of different resources available. We have unit study kits. We've got a book, uh, book nook. We've got curriculum that parents and families can check out and bring home, give it a try, see if they like it. Uh, we have classrooms that are available for rentals, so families can rent them for co-op meetings, micro schools, one-on-one uh, -on -one classes, tutoring. Um, we've got all different kinds of resources and materials. And so it's a really cool space that we have membership <laughs> available for families to come and use it as they need. And we also have two micro schools that will be there in the fall. One of them is using the Ron Paul curriculum. The other one is doing, um, it's Trivium Academy, and they're doing like Socratic method, classical education style for homeschoolers. And then we also have a pre-K co-op meeting there in the fall as well. Okay, why? <laughs> because we're really trying to kind of figure out how we can get education um, available to more families. So this kind of provides a little bit more of socialization aspect. So when you look at homeschooling, I think a lot of times what families get hung up on that are new to homeschooling is, well, how are my kids going to have friends? How are they going to get socialized? Which we all know is a crock of crap. But Who's going to babysit my kids for seven <laughs> hours a day? <laughs> exactly. And so this provides kind of a really good middle ground. It provides a space for independent micro schools to meet that are outside of the system. Um, it provides a space for... Um, these families to connect with those micro schools and it provides a space for all of that to happen without being in the public school sector. Um, so I think that that's really important is to be able to kind of privatize education and get it out of the public school where families can have more of a say in how their children are getting educated, what kind of styles, who the instructors are, and what kind of curriculum they're using. Well, you know, I find this inevitable, you know, that this is happening. Uh, and I've seen the facility, and it's nice for something exactly what you're doing, okay? How do you market it? Are people just finding you? All of a sudden, you start, and boom, you, you start filling it up, and then what's your limitations? So I think our biggest limitation is going to be space because it's only got so many rooms, and right now we already have two micro schools and a co-op that will be meeting there in the fall. And both of those are pretty much on track to be maxed out to capacity by the time the fall semester hits. So that's really good. And they oh, darn. Themselves. I know, right? Um, so it's like the best problem to have, I guess, is when it grows too quickly. But um, the memberships themselves, we are EFA approved. So the Oh, EFA my God, you're approved? <laughs> What's so an EFA? The EFA is the Education Freedom Account. 
And so they're here in New Hampshire. And basically what it means is we can be approved by the New Hampshire Scholarship Foundation so that part of the, the state funds that go to the students or go to the where the education, you know, the schools, um, it actually follows the student. And so this, the students can use that money at our facility. We oh, now wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> this is a Patrick thing. Okay. <laughs> For, well, here in New Hampshire, there had to probably have been some kind of legislation that allowed for funding, you know, the administrator to be the parent. My kid's <laughs> worth some money, isn't he? Look at this nice little big giant dollar sign I got here, okay? Who gets that and how much? That was new legislation done by free staters or something here in New Hampshire, wasn't it? Yeah, free staters are a big part of it. And other states call these ESAs, I think, education savings accounts and uh you know, Cordy Angelo says, all right, everything's more free in New Hampshire, right? So we call them EFAs, Education Freedom Scouts. But yeah, uh, free staters have been pivotal in all this. We're a quarter of, quarter of the Republicans in the House are free staters. Uh, so yeah, you can't get something like this through without a bunch of free staters pushing it. Well, you know, I, I, I'm glad that this is done, of course. The thing is, is that are there any statistics you're waving around going, our kids are smarter, our kids are smarter. <laughs> you know, it's like I remember 20, God, Long time ago, in the 90s, all of a sudden, all the spelling bees were being won by the homeschoolers mm-hmm. to the point that they wanted to have a separate category. They were cheating. They're not allowed. <laughs> you know, no, no, your kids are too smart. Well, this <laughs> is one of the things with, with the socialization. You know, people say this like, oh, your kid's not going to get socialized because they're not in a school. The government schools, your kid's around 60 of their exact same age group and maybe one or two adults. And at my son's co-op, he goes to another co-op ran by... Uh, other libertarians in the, in the area. It's, uh, and uh, at that one, you know, he's around dozens of adults because it's, it's co-op, so parents are coming in teaching, which um, uh, which brings around all sorts of different uh, Oh, my God, people that know stuff. And then it's kids, <laughs> it's kids of all ages. So, you know, his class, like, they might separate it where, like, a teacher can say, okay, I want to do something for, like, you know, you got to be at least this mature, probably maybe around 10 or 12, you know, and so then, you know, they want the little kids in that class. But they're still all at the school, playing together and whatnot. At my school, when you hit um, the elementary school I went to, I went to Catholic one, but they're set up very similarly to the, to the government ones where you're segmented by age. And if, if when you get into seventh and eighth grade, you no longer have recess with the little kids, you know? So it's like a totally like different, like they, they really want to separate them. And that government schools are done very similar. You go to a different school, you go to middle school, right? You're no longer around the little kids. And then you go to high school and you're no longer around the adolescents. You know what? You know that socializing. Yeah, I'll no, get it. no, it's socialized, socializing. All right. You know, this is one thing that I noticed. Um, junior high. Why do they have junior high? Seventh, eighth grade, sixth to eighth, you know, around in there. You know, why? And you started to, you look at through history. That's when they're starting puberty and you start mm-hmm. locking in some BS into their head and, mm-hmm. you know, Hitler youth and little brown shirt, Zeke Heil to flags <laughs> and stuff, you know. And I'm, and I'm going, that's why they do this. This is when you start learning social studies. This is how you complain and not, you know, act up and do and worship the state and all that's that kind of stuff. That's what they tell you what taxes, how taxes work. But not really how they work, but like they're imaginary. You know, they're good for you. They're the only... Uh, you know, so I'm, so I'm like, um, you know, this is... Re- you got it. There, you know, the one thing that I, I, I never really see... Is and you don't even realize it to become libertarian. You start raising children freedom. I want to get to James because he's a really good example of his family, and they and they become, you know, like functioning adults that are an add to the community. By the time they 
finish at least some primary schooling, they mm-hmm. get on the tractor. I mean, you know, it's, you got to learn something. You have a construction business and mm-hmm. so on. I imagine your kids know what a hammer is and so on. Yeah, you know? he jumps on the job site every once in a while. That's part of the homeschool. How old is he? He's 10. I'll uh, be 11 this Freaking summer. A, I got an 11-year-old <laughs> grandson. Hell yeah, get to work, man. <laughs> you know, he's really good help. He, he Nobody holds a flashlight better on something than the engine. <laughs> I mean, everybody else is wandering around. My wife has got... Corsair, get over here, you know, and he, he's a good screwdriver holder. But the, uh, and then the, to the point that they know how to do something. Now, I wanted to get James in here. Here at Porkfest, we have um, uh, <clears throat> a bunch of kids out here, and they're hustling. We're doing the show, and we're talking about it, and kid comes over. He's $5 a bumper sticker, man. I got, I got, I got a bumper one. sticker. I got one. I know, I, I know. Everybody I got Ron Paul Revolution and Ron Paul 2.0. I know. You know, there's a lot of these old men. They got some classic stuff. And they go, yeah, parents, yeah, go, go see what you can get for this, man. They make bank, you know. <laughs> so then, um, but I remember early on, Dorothy and Violet, your two daughters, I remember as little kids, them growing up, they were always doing some freaking make money thing. They've done quite well here. I mean, Violet has been coming here her, her whole life since 2007 was our first pork fest. So, oh, really? So she's kind of, uh, you know, like basically been coming since she was one years old. So, And uh, she's what now, 17, 18? 16. 16. So, um, and, you know, they love it. And now you see the, the younger, it's like a whole new generation now coming up. It's like we've been like through almost like a whole cycle now. And now the, now the, like I see these little ones coming up around. It's like, uh, it's great to see. Yeah. I've seen some, uh, you know, kids that are like parents, like, you know, I, I, it's only been the last God, six, seven, eight years that Zoe's pizza has come. They, they come to have a mobile unit that they can make uh, pizza and they're really good. And it's named after the little girl. Well, she ain't little anymore. She's a woman. She's like 18, 19 years old or whatever. And I'm like, damn, man, I don't even recognize these kids anymore. And they call her little. Yeah, no, right. Right. Some of the guys over there are like, hey, little. <laughs> I've never heard that before this year. But. You know, so what was your educational options? Because, you know, you were attuned to this stuff, and you tried to make a lot of efforts with your raising well, your daughters. Well, we tried homeschooling, but the kids wouldn't have anything to do with it. They're like, no. Well, I hate my teacher. Yeah, you have to <laughs> like the teacher or whatnot. So we've done private schools, uh, Quaker schools mostly, and uh, that was good. But it still has a lot of the problems of government schooling, a lot of the same sort of mentality. It's still present. But at least with the private school, there's no cops wandering the halls. And technically, you know, they do answer to the parents. They, you know, you're like the, with the government school, the state is the client, not right. you. Right. right. So so they, they're the ones that get have any say. At least and at least in the Quaker schools, I knew there was Quaker principles that even if they didn't always adhere to them, I could say, hey, you know, I could object to something based on on Quaker principles instead of my own personal libertarian principles. So yeah. throw their book at them. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, <laughs> uh, wait a minute. Uh, you're not supposed to, you know, not that kind of Quakerism. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I'd say generally uh, it's been, been uh, you know, pretty successful. But I am I do kind of wish that we had been able to do homeschooling because I it's, it's definitely superior. And what so, was the age that they were like in rebellion? You know, send me to a classroom. I need a. Oh, I need, like I need a boyfriend. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but uh, I'm talking kindergarten, <laughs> first grade. There, you know. I think it's it's very difficult to teach your own kid, um, just because like my son's always like 
he's always had a bigger interest in what other people know than what me, but he, he's around me enough where I, then I see him and he's, he's learning the whole time. Kids don't turn off. You know, it's like they're at school or not at school learning. So he's learning the whole time. Then I'll see him do something that he learned by watching me. I didn't try to teach it to him. When I try to teach him, no, then he's like, no, but with, with, with other teachers, when they try to teach him, he's much more open yeah. to it. And it's much more of a student teacher relationship. You know, so Archer, your, parent, your son oh, has been yeah. a, a, just his own person at Porkfest. He's not like your son. He's Archer. Mm-hmm. He's got his, he's got his own agenda, his own thing, his own hustles, his own, you know, he's just, you know, they would, a lot of people would call that a, a feral child. Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure what that means other than <laughs> they can take care of themselves, you know? Yeah, I, he's autonomous. What do you, I mean, I, I, it's one of the, it's probably, you know, it's the thing you're trying to do as a, as a parent is raise autonomous, you know, responsible humans. And people act like you can't do that. Where'd you get that subversive thought? You you can't get that done until they're like 18, right? It's like, well, no, we're trying to do it the entire time. Like from when they're little, I'm trying to make them, you know, uh, you know, trying to teach them how to be more autonomous and give them that responsibility when, when he, when he demands it and when he's ready for it. I'm um, very interested. I wanted to make sure Michelle got to express herself here because I'm looking at, um, what you're doing. And fortunately, when you found the facility that Brian has, you went, Oh my God, I know you went, Oh my God. <laughs> you just go, oh, what? You know, we, uh, here's my, what's my money doing in my, in my pocket? You know, let's just make it happen. You know, how um, surprised were you that this was available and that this philosophy was available and supportive of what you wanted to do? Yeah. I think the biggest thing to me was I was, thrilled that the facility was owned by another liberty-minded person because I think it would have been a lot harder to get what I wanted done in that facility. And I actually had two other facilities that I was trying to get into before this, and they kept shutting me down because they didn't like the idea of what I was wanting to do. And so finding somebody that was of the same you know, mindset and persuasion and had the same dream, I think, was huge because, unfortunately, the rest of the world does not agree with a lot of these. Okay, now, what was the opposition? They just didn't think it worked. You well, didn't know what you're doing. Well, one was just having children. So having children at a facility, now you need all these extra insurances. You need to, you know, what about lawsuits? What about damage done to the property? Noise. Yeah, noise. <laughs> I mean, there was so much, you know. To me, it was like, I mean, what the hell do you want here? A library, you know, but that's, uh, yes. you know, I mean, yeah. So we ran into a lot of that. And it was just a lot of opposition. Um, but once we found that location, I mean, it was perfect for what we were looking to do. You know, he was all on track with it. And then we just made it happen, you know. But I agree. I mean, to me, the point of the, the homeschooling center is to exactly that, create autonomous children and get them to a point where they can be educated and learn how to learn. Because if right. you have a person who knows how they can teach themselves something, then they're set for life. What, what gave you the confidence to do this? What was your history? I mean, why I would you? I have two children. And that was my That's enough, damn motivation. It. Seriously. Yeah, you gotta get her ready because for that. I said, look, I have a three-year-old. She's going to be going to school. I want to have this set up by the time she's going into school. And so I busted my ass and I'm making it happen. She's three, which, by the way, she can make her own eggs in the morning. She can make her own breakfast. Right. And she's here at Porkfest spending money that she earned. So I think that's pretty, I'm a proud mama. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. Hey, you, 
you didn't fill out all the right forms. Yet. <laughs> you know, there, there, there's somebody's got to evaluate your child. There's a test waiting on you. Well, see, eventually, though, they can still rebel. You think you're doing all this work. Like Dorothy, for instance, she decided she wanted to go to college and get a degree. I'm oh, like, yeah. don't you want to join a band? <laughs> you know, backpack around Europe. Don't you want to be a drummer? I mean, like, you know, like, you don't even do drugs. Like, what's wrong with you? You know? <laughs> Well, did uh, and she's in school still, or yeah, she goes to Drexel in Philly, and, uh, and she, despite she, my my recommendation, she's like, no, I want to be. Well, educated. how is she doing in that? Is it changing? Oh, straight her? A's, you know. Yeah, like, but I mean, philosophically, is she kind of bringing you to school, or she's trying to bring school? I'm to not you? worried about that. She's uh, she's you know her her uh, her personality is well established, and and her values. <laughs> and I, I don't think they're going to really do anything to her uh but it uh, is gonna mess them up <laughs> you know i remember when she started dating you're like you know i'm going ah, how's this working out james come on come on well, it's you working know out great her 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 boyfriend she met at pork fest a couple years ago and uh he, you know he comes from a good background you know it's like okay yeah, yeah pa- parents interviewed parents and then uh <laughs> Which a lot of times is what happens, you know. I mean, it's families that you're 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 getting into a relationship with, and it's important. And that is here in the Free State Project. Like Patrick, I remember you made. Okay, this is what I remember. You see how my memory All right. is. All right, here we go. <laughs> Patrick had uh, a family business in San Diego, there, Southern there California, yeah, yeah. In Southern California, and um, you had a family business that did roofing, I think, or right. something, right? And then uh, you're just kind of this libertarian, freedom-oriented, needed to go walk about, and, you know, and Mari and you. Um, and I don't know if you had Archer by then. Was he a baby when you went traveling? Yeah, yep. You know, man, that's a, man, that's a commitment. That's that's confidence right there, you well, know. Traveling with a kid? Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. I mean, I, we think well, that was, you know, really formative for him. But we, yeah, we left Southern California in 2016, decided, uh, you know, we were kind of in between buying that business or moving on. We chose to, to move on and leave Southern California and leave all that behind. And so we traveled around for, it was about a whole year, uh, just over a whole year. And we went to, we went to Pork Fest, came out to New Hampshire. We traveled out through, through, throughout the Southwest. That's where I met Ernie. Yeah. I went to Jackalope, went to came house, over. Had the house, there. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and, uh, and, and then we went to Nicaragua and Se- Central America and traveled there for a while. And then we ended up in uh, New Hampshire because we had visited here and we tried all these other places and we were really kind of, trying to give everything a fair shake and like see like you know would we like okay it's okay it's It's the best here though so we came here um and and we're loving it here yeah but how the snow man the snow you you come from southern california you go you know how hot it can get in the southwest it's terrible there so then we went to nicaragua where it's even hotter and my son was literally crying like every day he was just like why did one day one day he's on the floor sweating and crying and he's just in his underwear and he's laying on this tile floor like trying to cool off and he goes he looks at us and he goes did you guys know it was going to be this hot in Nicaragua <laughs> and we said yes and then he just goes oh why did you miss it <laughs> and we're like, yeah, we can't for, for all the socialist government reasons we also couldn't do it but for him like he just was not made for the heat we bring him here he loves to swim he loves to go to the lake loves to go to the river loves the snow he skis now he ice skates uh he loves the winter so yeah we, we, we're doing much better here you know, and maybe it's not made for everyone, but uh, for us, you know, the, the, the weather's really great. We like it. It's best, one of the best. You know, here. the biggest thing I'm appreciating, I always enjoy it up here, even in the winter. You know, I've been mm-hmm. up here a lot. And uh, I always feel better, you know, having been here. But um, 
You know, I can see why old people go to the Southwest, man, the bones get warmed up, you know, <laughs> and it's freaking, you know, warm and it's not cold, you know, and we have the mountains. I mean, we can go skiing in a, you know, two hours. We're up skiing after we're sunbathing. I mean, you know, it's that kind of thing. But um, the biggest thing for me, it probably, New Hampshire, definitely, you know, summertime, something, I might, something. I got 12 grandkids and four kids in Maricopa County and I'm, like to stay married. So I'm one of, you know, we're going to be there. That's just the way it is. But, you know, it's uh, even my kids are, they're looking, you know, they're, they're kind of in the same phase. That, you need to convince that, them to convince Donna is what you're saying. <laughs> they're, right. They're all right, right, She's right, not going until they all go. Right. Well, they're, um, they're successful. They're doing their own thing. I don't know how they trans, but they'd be successful anywhere. They're those kind of people. And that's what you want to try and raise when you're, you're, you're going through this process, like you're doing your school. Um, what is it that I hear you talking about various different curriculums that people are doing? Mm-hmm. You know, is there one you wouldn't do? I mean, you draw the line at goat sacrificing or, <laughs> well, I mean, you know what, what, what kind of criteria do you have? I mean, we don't really actually have a whole lot of criteria <laughs> because to me, homeschooling is really about the family and, and the children. So my goal is to create resources for families to be able to homeschool their children effectively and to be able to do it the way that they want to. So we will have all different kinds of curriculum. We'll have secular, we'll have religious curriculum, we'll have all the different types. Families can come and use whichever ones they want. I'm a huge proponent of the free market. So to me, the ones that are successful will be the ones that people want to use. And the ones that aren't successful clearly just won't be there. You well, know? you're not worried about it because you're just a facility to give them the chance to do what they want. Exactly, yeah. And, and part of that, too, is it comes down to what does the community want out of us, right? Because if the, if the community wants, you know, Christian-based co-ops, then those are going to be the ones that will come to the center, and that's fine. If they want, you know, Trivium Academy, the classical education-style Socratic method conversation-based high school program, that'll be there. That one's going to be very successful. You know, so, I mean, it's just all about what the community wants. So... We're you just, don't have to worry about it. No, exactly. <laughs> It'll work itself out. Well, I, I have the lights on and here's pencils. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that's, well, that's part of it, though, is, you know, I don't want to push anything on a family because not every family is going to have, you know, different. What makes you know, the, you center way more attractive if there's yeah. options. That, well, that's the point. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> now, what I'm doing is bringing in Brian Beck. Yeah, have a, have a <laughs> sit, James. I need you to be in on this. You know, the. Um, uh, Brian is the one that found this facility and saw the value in it and bought it, but he couldn't use every freaking room in this thing, you know. But he want, and I, and I remember you specifically wanting to do this. Isn't that isn't this what your plan was? Yes, exactly. Well, how the hell did you know the cosmos line up here? What did you do? Put a sign in the front yard? Uh, <laughs> I basically just spent the year uh, looking around, watching people, um, meeting people, and realizing, because I, I wasn't really involved with all the families in, in New Hampshire because I, my daughter's already grown up. Um, <clears throat> so I saw the need for this. I didn't see all the families getting together. I saw a lot of uh, single people and a lot of uh, um, people just hanging out but not really getting together and uh, collaborating with families. So I thought there was a void there. I thought there was a need for this. And... Once I found the space that could actually accommodate it, I, I just started looking and started. Yeah, no, that's amazing that you would, you know, you're, you have a grown child, yes. you know, you're uh, good looking, got a decent day job, IT, super geek, and I got servers in my basement. And 
you know, and you, it's a nice lot. How big is that lot? It's five acres. Wow. Really? So five acres on the main road. There's a highway. I mean, it looks like a beautiful, you know, uh, what would you call that? You know, a classical New England. Colonial style. Yeah. Colonial style. There's a barn on there too that we can do events out of, which is awesome. Barn, a garage kind of thing, shed, yard. You can park your RV. You got, I mean, it looks like a, you know, New England, small town, little cottage business farmhouse thing. And, um, so you go, yeah, we'll do a school thing there. (laughs) And I'm going, why in the hell would you make that the effort? Did you think you were going to get rent from it? You wanted to just kind of cover your cause. You wanted to serve the youth because you, you, you love children so much. I mean, what, what was your reasoning? Yeah. I see the children are the future. They, they are, <clears throat> they're going to be the ones uh, responsible for us eventually. And I, I see all the kids here, especially at Pork Fest, and Social learning security, all this stuff, okay. doing all this stuff. <laughs> 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 and, yeah, the location I thought was ideal. It's uh, right in Ware, and it's between major cities. It's out um, rural <clears throat> enough where it can still build up that community without having the city overhead. And... Yeah, the kids definitely are the most important thing, I think, in this entire movement. No, everybody says that. Blah, blah, blah. The children, the children, the children. Why are they important? And what kind of kids? I got some kids that aren't that important. You know? (laughs) I I see I see these. I'm I'm going, you know, that kid's not that important. You know? You you see them doing this. I mean, what makes them important? I mean, what what are we looking to build? Really, the ones you see here over and over every year, um, just growing up. And I've been coming here to Pork Fest for five years, and you see the same kids just coming back. And those are the kids that you know are just growing up with the right uh, education models and uh, you know, learning the skills. James, James, I'm going to get James on this. James has been uh, a good example for a lot of people. We're always looking for I'm glad uh, Violet came this year. What happened to Dorothy? She's here. Oh, is she? Oh, yeah. Okay, she's I got around. She's too cool now to hang around. I know, I know, I know, I know, you know. Like, Dorothy, you know, she's off, you know, being a woman. But, you know, uh, Violet, 16, you know, she's walking around with Dad, and we get to talk, and, oh, no, you stopped again. I got to hear this story 500 billion times. And, everything. and I go, and, you know, oh, Dor- Violet, thanks for being so patient. She goes, if I had anything better to do. Oh. I would not be obviously. I don't have anything better to do, you know. But she's learning. She's you know? a tough customer. That you means know? you're yeah. taking around to the coolest places. There's nothing better than where you're taking. <laughs> she's right. She accepts that. Yeah. It's like, damn it, you know. There's nothing better to do. Well, I tried to bring her walk here around this with morning. Jane. I said, hey, why don't you come be on the show with Ernie? She's like. You know, what am I going to do? What am I going to talk about? I'm like, just talk about anything. Ernie will ask you questions. It'll be great. Uh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, that's her better to do is sleep. You know? That's that's always a better to do for me. But the um, Well, whatever you have in mind for kids, they're going to want to do their own thing anyway. So that's or think it's their own thing. You know? And that's one thing. It's incentives. And that's, you know, I really am interested in how, you know, Patrick and Mari uh, – uh, see their relationship with Archer because he's only child, right? Yeah, and he's his own self-starting. You know, I you know, the sun's up and I'll see you when the streetlights. Uh, you know, don't come on because they don't have streetlights. But the you know, um, what kind of um, check-in do you do? I mean, he seems like an autonomous, got his own gig going on. Has he ever come to you? Hey, Dad, man, I need an investment. For twenty three and a half dollars, I can turn it into seven seventy five point six, and I you know I'll give you a cut and kind of whatever. Is he a negotiator? 
he's, he's just starting to get his entrepreneurial spirit. So he's, um, you know, and that's something that I do a lot of. So I think it's kind of that like rebellion against where like if I just pushed it, he'd even rebel more. If I'd be like, come on, do a business, do a business, do a business. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't usually do that at Porkfest. Um, he's got some things for sale, but he's not the big hustler guy. Uh, but he's starting to do that more with, with, you know, he teams up with someone, right? So now he's got friends, like he finds a friend that's into that. And now they're doing it together and he's got his own brainstorming ideas on how to do it better. And he's excited about it. But he wouldn't be the guy to necessarily to be like, all right, we need this money. We're going to get, we're going to start this idea. I got this, you know, I originated the idea. He does he's not a big originator right now, but he's a big, um, like I'm saying, like he likes to do it now. He's getting to that age. He's doing like lemonade stands all summer with his friend and things like that. And he's, he's selling here, but more that's like legal here. Other buddies. He's a huge, he's a social butterfly, right? So if he's not with another dude doing this stuff, he's not going to want to do it at all. He's got to have a friend doing it with him. Uh, yeah, no, he's always got his crew. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. He's no, there, there, there's a, you know, there's a crew. That, and that's, that was that was uh, uh, Nevada Slopey's word for him when they first met. She was selling popcorn, and he, he's like, oh, "I'll sell popcorn with her." And he's running around, and she goes, "Yeah, Archer's in my crew." Archer was five at the time, you know, and she's like, <laughs> five, six. Old, how do, how do you say no to these kids? You know, <laughs> the, the thing is, is that we're very encouraging. Someone comes up, you know, they, they get a. Uh, Every day they'll print out a schedule, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, speakers list and all that kind of stuff. And, and it has a map on it and everything. And they go, you know, what, what today's map? What today's, I don't know where they get them or where they make copies, but, man, they're, they're all over it. That's and Mo. It, Mo. Mo's doing this, uh, you know, for a similar reason. He just thinks the kids are the future. And if he can print out a thousand maps, he designs, he does all this work himself and brings a printer and he prints them so he can do last minute, minute changes. And then he gives them for free to the kids. And gives them instructions on like how to sell these, you know, you know what how, what price you think you might be able to get, how to negotiate with these people. And then he sends like dozens of kids out to go do this, but they don't have any. It's he's he wants to get them just used to like the selling thing and, and doing the money without having to think of like what's my overhead, how much does it cost to get in, where am I going to get the financing? So he gives it to them and says just just try selling these. See if you can sell ten copies of a map. Oh no, they're selling. Bucks. I don't mean they sell, but they're oh, yeah, selling. I bought one every day, you know. So it's like it's, and it's a buck a piece and. And they get no. They can set the price, so they. Oh can yeah, start yeah. So some people, want, are, so they, yeah, I don't pay two dollars for a map. What's it? That's what Davi Barker did. I paid five. I paid five. Davi, Yeah, they can get it. Like, go yeah, for it, yeah. you know. But I'm going to be the guy that pushes back on the negotiations. <laughs> I got my bumper stickers. You paid five bucks. I paid one gold back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but who gets the better deal in the end? You know, like. The, that gold back might be worth something. Sure. Totally, you know, like totally. Next year might be worth a lot more than five bucks. Oh, yeah. oh, that was what happened with crypto. They do everything. Oh, I'll give you a half price, but in three months it's going to be worth five times as much. Right. You know? Well, like Dorothy and Violet did <laughs> pretty true. good around 2015. What they were, you know, they were selling stuff and getting Bitcoin for it, but Bitcoin was only worth like 500 bucks then, right? Yep. So. You know, I thought, Catching. I, you know, what what was just an educational project, you know, I didn't didn't expect it to actually generate, you know, profits or, you know, anything like that. But by sitting on it now, it's, you know, <laughs> so that could be the next lesson for the kids. Now it's, so substantial. It's now, now it's like, well, you look at what you made back last year and now uh, what it's worth today. So, well, that's so that what we next, did with the next thing is savings of money. The, saving well, money. that's why I like encouraging giving my grandkids silver. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and we had the silver dime cards and everything, and then Taryn did the pirate version of it, and we had a bunch of stuff in the Ron Paul. Thing. I mean, yeah, we we're just waiting for Bitcoin to be invented at that point, right? right. Like, we're just like, come on, we're, we're, has, well, then we're they struggling kinda, here with silver dime cards, for God's uh, sake. Well, they kind of, you know, <laughs> paralleled each other. It was kind of a physical manifestation. It was easily changeable. That's why we, we did both. I think we need both. Yeah, no, that's and why we did the money, though. What's the most popular thing at Porkmas? I would say goldbacks. I've, I've been paid in goldbacks. More than crypto this year, and and maybe more than U.S. dollars, but right around there. Well, now is that because of the uh, they worked it out with Rogers to give everybody some some gold back a gold back coupon when they oh, came in. Oh, people are getting one gold back, but people are paying me like eighty bucks, so that's okay. not one one right. gold back. You know, they're buying shirts and stuff. That I was at bucks, Freedom so. Fest in uh, Vegas with uh, Ian and Mark when he bought a shitload. Yep. When he saw this technology, he got thousands of dollars worth of and brought. Going to New Hampshire. And I'm like, damn, okay, there's that. And then um, one of my uh, primary patrons, he I was impressed enough with that technology. I, I got to go back. He mentioned he bought into the company that makes them. Mm. And I'm going, really? You know, so that was cool because he was really interested in the technology to actually have gold I heard about in that, the bill. I looked, I looked at, so the company that sells the gold bags. Uh, didn't invent the technology, right? No, it's right? called it's for real very, yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. But when I heard about Goldbacks, I saw the first one, and it, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Ian that gave me my first one, and he's just giving these away because he wants everyone to do it. Uh, I went right online. I was like, "Is this publicly traded? Because this is going to blow up. Like, I need to get invested in this thing and, and figure out a way to, way to." But so I just invested by buying more Goldbacks. But I actually haven't bought any Goldbacks. You know, I'm, I'm into gold and silver. I've only received Goldbacks by trade. And I, you know, eventually run out after Pork Fest and then maybe at Liberty Forum get some more. And But you can take and put them in a crucible and melt them down and you get the gold out of it. It's probably got, probably in the bills, it's about 100% premium or something. Yeah, I think you said there's actually a chemical process. They can like spray it on and the plastic dissolves or something. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So you but, can get it without heat. Yeah, but if I can do it with a blowtorch, then they will. No, you could do it. <laughs> okay. Right. So the thing is, is that you can take... Uh, you know, so many gazillions of dollars, put it in a thing, melt it down, you get half a gazillion. But that's the premium for the portability of it, the technology to be able to do it, to be able to trade it. Because that's how paper money becomes a thing, because it's more convenient. Right. We're all about convenience. Imagine trying to keep a gram of silver or a gold in your pocket, right? right? Like that, whatever that amount is in a gold back, how much How much is that? Like half a gram or that was like the... Oh, oh God. Thousands. It's all thousands. So 50 is 50,000, so one is one thousandth of, uh, of an ounce? Of an ounce, an ounce right? Yes. Yeah. Imagine trying to keep track of a thousandth of an ounce of yeah. gold. Right, 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 like, right. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Her gold dust went to the wind. It was like, was it, was it Sierra Madre, you know, the stinking badges at the very end, the gold dust, you know, and the windstorm falls and all the gold blows away. And I go, that sucked, you know, but I'd be mining that ground. But the, um, uh, I'm, I'm looking at this concept in uh, new monies and all that kind of stuff, how much is that part of the curriculum that they do with the kids to be entrepreneurs, to get in? I mean, is that because they do it here at Porkfest. They'll have the first day little entrepreneur class and kids come out and all of a sudden they want to clean up your trash and walk your dog and, you know, uh, yeah. you know, do your laundry or whatever. But the point is they're making money. Mm-hmm. And it was something that they got encouraged and they would incentivize them. Don't you want to buy that cool Jane hat, you know, over there or whatever? Man, you're going to need $15. How are you going to get $15? Let me show you how you get $15. So they are little entrepreneurs running around, but I'm wondering 
is that part of your curriculum? Do you endorse it? Are you seeing it happening? Are they, you know, do you have a permanent lemonade stand out front of the school and it's manned in shifts? I mean, you know, how does this work? So we actually accept goldbacks as currency at the school, as well as, you know, silver and stuff like that. And we're setting up to be able to accept crypto as well. Um, so I will say one of the funny stories is we were there and somebody was paying for a few hours with their kids to be there. And, you know, they paid with just USD dollars. And my daughter looked at it and she goes, what? No goldbacks? Like she got <laughs> mad because she likes the goldbacks. And so, of course, the kids were confused. And as so I like pulled out some goldbacks and showed them and gave them a little list, you know, lesson on what they were. And they like thought it was the coolest thing. Even so, a kid can understand that, right? you know, BS and not BS. <laughs> well, you know? here, here's like, they, <laughs> you're still so setting up crypto. Influence. There's so much influence, too. Like when you're around, you know, right. like what you were saying, where your kid won't necessarily listen to a lesson you're trying to teach them. But if there's another parent there teaching the lesson, then they're getting that. Or another kid. Or another kid. <laughs> and so when you're in these kinds of social environments where I can kind of, where it's primarily liberty-minded people, then when you have people from the general public coming in, they're getting little tiny ounces of that information mm -hmm. at a digestible, you know, rate. So it's not overwhelming. It's not crazy. It's just like, oh, here's a little extra information. You know, we have a whole table that has business cards of a bunch of Liberty people and free state uh, projects. You know, this gets to be like all thing. schools, that community center we kind have, of thing. What well, is? And so, and we have a framed thing of goldbacks on the, you know, on the wall. Um, we have. Okay, I get it. You know, <laughs> there's endorsement. There is, absolutely. And we have uh, market days at the last Saturday of every month. So we do a community market days, which is usually all Liberty minded people. Um, and then I try to get, I try to market it to everybody. So because this seems like what you were, you know, Brian was going for. You were yeah. hoping this would happen. Yes, right? exactly. And I, yeah, it's yep. amazing that it actually just and came into place as you, well. It is working because it last is. month we had a market days, and we had a few people in there that I just know from like business connections that are not affiliated with the Liberty community at all. Yep. And by the time they were leaving, she had so many questions about <laughs> the things she had overheard. And she was intrigued. It wasn't like you guys are crazy. Yeah. It was like, what's this? What's that? You know, she was like, I'm actually all for public school. She goes, but after being here and seeing the center, seeing the types of stuff you have, all the programs you have, like my kid was here. She had a blast. She helped man the, the lemonade stand that I had set up for the kids. Awesome. You know, and she was like, you know, she was like, this is something I would feel comfortable sending my kids to, you know? And so that's the type of influence that I think is really important with what we're doing is it's like a gentle opportunity for the Liberty community, for all these alternative education, alternative lifestyles to be introduced to families that might not have come had they known that that was something that would have been there. You know what I mean? Therefore, you must be eliminated. <laughs> you know, so I, has that been a thing? You know, what, what kind of work, Free State, Patrick, that you see these kinds of things starting to get, you know, pressured, attacked, whatever, and then the you know, support from the community and kind of thing. Has something like this been attempted before? Has there been, you know, some expectation of what kind of headwinds she might come up with? I'm not so sure on that, but I do want to mention, like, so we're at another co-op, Latitude Learning Co-op, yeah. uh, which operates differently than the one you, you have. Um, but but hitting on that, that the general New Hampshireites coming in, there's normies at this school, right? But... They're not normies anymore. They're here at Porkfest, right? So these mm. normie families that came there, we just want to get out of the out of this, you know, COVID regime school system. Yeah. 
they need to find something. They find your 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 place or or latitude learning co-op, and then they're around libertarians because that co-op is ninety percent libertarians, and then in a few months it's back to one hundred percent libertarians because yeah. right. they right. all go, exactly. "What is this theory?" And then once once you're around it, and you see like, "Oh wait, this is a really good community." Because everyone, people that haven't figured out whether whether you're a reason based person or or not, being in a community that's supportive that you feel has your back will convince you to go into that ideology, that philosophy. And so, yeah, now they're at Porkfest, right? These same people that... The communists have been doing this for too long. Right, right, right. We, we, we like, eh, we don't care about it. Take the kids, man. Just babysit them, you Yeah, know? here's a place you can drop your kids off. We'll handle the indoctrination. I mean, the education. <laughs> right. We did exactly. a, at a place that burned down, but we did a, a... All these families went up to this water park in Conway, New Hampshire. It burned down like a few weeks later. It was crazy. Um, but... But a lot of the time spent there where the, the parents that weren't aware of what this philosophy was, but knew that the school was, had a lot of libertarians at asking questions. And, you know, and then, like I said, some of them are here at Portfest now. So it's like, it, it works. It's a model that works to, so that was, yeah, that was one of the things that was one of my main criteria is to make sure that the center and the place that I've got is, um, kept public. So it's kept inclusive and open yeah. to anyone. And there is no, um, family that wouldn't want to go there. Once no they philosophy see it, purity once it, yeah, is that in the lease? <laughs> you know, have you have you, uh, have you vetoed any kids? Now get that little snot out of here. You know what is that criteria? What happens when they have special needs kids? What happens when they have a unruly, screaming, autistic? Uh, take care of my kid for me. Or just some I mean, little punk. Or just some little <laughs> snot ass little little two stroke dirt bike that you know rides it to the bathroom. I mean, I just want to. You know, what do you do? So the way we have it set up right now is the, the center itself is not a drop-off location. So the parents have to be there with the children. If the micro schools, like some of the micro schools are drop-off, and in that situation I've made it very clear to the instructors that are running that micro school that they are responsible for the children. So You better have a minivan to haul them in when it hits 4 o'clock, 3 o'clock, get the hell out. Yeah, that's up to them on how they want to manage that. But the general rule is as long as, like, there's nobody's getting hurt and there's no destruction to the property, the fam- you know, the parents have to be there. They're responsible for their own children. So far, we've, you know, we have had special needs children there. We've had autistic children. They come. They have a blast. I've never had any issues. Um, and to be honest, we'll kind of see what happens when we do end up in a situation where we're having an issue. Um, and we'll see how we need to handle it. But, I mean, do you prep the parents, say, look, we're here in a learning environment that's conducive to blah, 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 and we expect in the minimum of, and your snot nose little snot <laughs> pounding on the head with hammer, whatever kid is going to have to get dealt with or they're not welcome here. I mean, is there... I've never had to do that. We do it. No, I mean, in the beginning, I mean, is there some understanding of they're going to drop their kid off, not going to be beat up like a little Bubba boy over here? (laughs) Well, again, so that's all left up to the instructor. The instructor can talk to their students and figure out how they're going to handle those situations. As for the center, the parents are there the whole time. So I do tell them this is we're not a daycare. We're not a school. We're a community center. You're here with your kids. You're not dropping them off and you're responsible for your children. So if there are any issues, you may be asked to leave, you know. Um, so they do get that up they front. They do, yes. Freaking A. All right. I just want to yeah. make sure, uh, <laughs> you know, they're not claiming some law and you have to and I need to no, go no. get my nails done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bake the cake, man. Bake no. the cake. My, my kids are there, too. I'm there to protect them as well. <laughs> you know, this is – well, Brian, did you think this was, you know um, – expected was it easier than you thought did you i know what you were asking you go i did it i did it i found it i'm going 
damn, well, that was easy. You know, <laughs> did, did you think it was going to be as easy as it was? I think it should have been easier, or I, I thought it would have been easier, I should say. Really? Um, yeah, I, I had thought uh, once I got the location that I'd have a, you know, a flood of people just swarming all over me um, trying to help out and trying to you know, donate and do this, and I wouldn't have to, really, I wouldn't have to be as hands-on as I was. Um, as it was, I kind of had to prove that this was going to work or what it was, what I was looking for. So I had to kind of, um, <clears throat> because it was, you know, my criteria, my idea, uh, not everyone wanted to jump on board until they saw it working. So now it's actually out there. Now it's working. Now well, how did okay, you well, even, maybe that can be a model. How did you know, Michelle, that he even had this? I didn't. I, um, I found. Say Dennis connected us, right? No, actually, I found you on Facebook and oh. um, saw that you were looking to do this type of center and. Communication. Uh, yeah, it's all about communication. I, I saw the yeah. message. I saw what you were looking to do, and I saw that you were a good person. So I just started. Uh, God, man, I, I you know I gotta get James in on this. I mean, you're a communicator guy in your business and all the kind of stuff you do in marketing and everything. You know, the communication level uh, necessity for this movement to go. Um, what would happen if they you know, like switched off the internet? Do we have enough uh, technology now that we would? you know, rise up to the occasion. I mean, what do you think? Reinvent the internet? If yeah, whatever. Yeah. If, it, we, if it wasn't for the internet, we would dream of her, you know, that thing. I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm not too worried about the internet getting shut down, but I think there's enough uh, of our community, enough communication channels that, that I mean, it's kind of unstoppable at this point. I mean, um, you know, the trick is the you know, with the relationships and, you know, the, the uh, the trust that you know people have you know like the way you were able to you know build the trust with this kind of like learning center and get people accustomed to it get them used to it bring the normies in you know just build and build and build um, I don't know that doesn't answer your question so one of the first things I, I went to well not first thing because I've been over there to hang out with Brian but uh, the first events I went to uh, since um, since you started the the homeschool center was the Pine Tree Radio Society, which yep. you're like a founding member, right, of, and Will, and Jack, and... I, I, yeah, I provided the space, and yeah, I've, I've been involved with... You wanted uh, to see that, that kind of stuff happen, too, Yes, right? exactly, and it's and so, education for adults, too. It's education for, exactly. um, on cryptocurrency, on uh, radios, radios, or IT, or uh, internet, and the but decentralization, Just on the communication of, like, internet going down, like, there's a lot of people working on this kind of stuff, and just so... Yeah, Brian's been where we've been... Pump behind we on this stuff a lot, up, you know, with uh, some relay stations between communities. Well, here I think yeah, I've done that at Porkfest a couple times, and we got there you know, should be one here. There it is, Christopher Wade's little box. <laughs> well, Adam, you know, working with Alien Seed, you know, um, uh, Alien um, Agro's hosting. There he is, right there. Yeah, good, come here, Adam. Yeah, good, 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 good. He's walking around. All right, real quick. Just come over here on the mic, real He's fast. He's walking around with a mesh network in his hand. It's right, 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 right. <laughs> Okay, real quick, these little uh, nodes that you're putting up, these routers and so on, exactly what is it, what you're doing, and you have a bunch of these. Your, your hand, you came out with, I don't know, how many did you have? Six. Six of these routers to have a mesh network for communication and a community here to do, how far off am I? What's, it, what, what's this do? Um, it's, it's an alternative to the Internet for uh, places and festivals and things where, uh, there is no internet or the internet's unreliable. So my goal or my idea is to create a local intranet, which is wireless, and anybody can connect to it. Uh, either physically plug in the cable that's coming out of the back of these routers or wirelessly. 
and it'll assign an IP address, and then you can run uh, a server, a, a local web server for like a schedule, for example, mm -hmm. or for file sharing, or just any kind of collaboration. Um, and the thing that I'm promoting the most is an application called Briar, which is designed to work without the internet. Uh, although if the internet continues to exist, then it can go over the internet via Tor, but it'll work directly between phones via Bluetooth, um, or if there's a wireless local area network, it'll connect to that, and all devices on that network are able to directly communicate via that network. Yeah, it's we on did... the internet, it's on Tor, too, which is a great thing about yes. Briar. Like, so yes. this is very, very great. Well, we did, I think it was last year at uh, Jackalope, we, we always call it, you know, Jacknet. We need to get a Jacknet, because you, know, you can't get internet into the valley. So Derek went one year, and he took a, a microwave signal from a cell tower 10 miles away on top of the hill, at the top of the tree at the top, and then beamed it down into the valley, and they had internet. For twenty five dollars a day, you know, it was expensive because it was but, cell service. Yeah, no, no, no. It was, but they, if you're doing business, you're up here. I need to take crypto. Freaking sign me up, you know, mm -hmm. or you got to do work or whatever. So what happens is that um, uh, they did the jacknet, and when you used the application briars, I remember it. You had a place where it had the schedule. You know, uh, who's going to speak when, do what? I go, yeah, you guys figure that out. You know, it's uh, nobody's in charge, okay? And I wanted this to happen. But we need, I go, oh, it sounds like you better get on it, you know? Right. <laughs> so, so that's what they did. And now the phone itself connects with another phone. It's like a buddy system. It's kind of like Open Garden was or oh, Fire yeah, Chat or, you know, back in the day. From each according to their bandwidth, who each and everybody used it, you know? But the, <laughs> so I wasn't a big fan of that. But what happened with Briar is when you get a download of all the latest scheduled information, you get next to somebody, it updates from your phone. So it's like you're out in the hinterland, you're walking, you're a mile down, and somebody's got Briar on, and all of a sudden, boop, it updates his phone. So it was, and it worked really well in like the umbrella revolution in Hong Kong because the density is so much, their phones are just going bouncing around. So you had a really tight intranet. Porkfast is dense enough that if he puts enough of these up, everybody's in communication on the updates of whatever is going on, right? Yeah. You know, so this is, you know, we're just demoing that it's possible. Um, Think Penguin, which is the Linux hardware and software Chris Wade does out of Manchester here, which I have two of his laptops because they're awesome. I just, you turn it on, it freaking works. It doesn't want to update you all the time. You know, damn. So it's a, a Linux. Well, he has these routers over there. Adam goes, all right, they're mine now, you know, and he just did it. You know why? Because he can, you know, and demonstration of how communication cannot be stopped with a specific application that you can develop, you know, and that's what's happening. That was a good demo of it. So that's what these little boxes are. And as we're looking around, oh, there it is. Patrick sees it. I knew it was going to be around here somewhere. And then uh, there he comes with a fistful and putting more up, you know. Very cool. Thanks, man. Thank you. So this is just an example. When you, one of the reasons why I come to Porkfest and I get so much out of it is because it's a demonstration of all the stuff we keep yakking about. You know, oh, education, somebody ought to, and they can't, boom, done. Well, if they had a facility and we had a place, they had, Brian, boom, done. A demonstration of young adults coming up, growing up, being somebody and making, you know, nice additions to the community. You know, James Babb, I got daughters, look what I did, done good inspiration. Patrick, looking around the world, you know, for a place to light, kind of, you know, 
this met his criteria. He's got a son comes up here, and he's going to be, you know, you know, captain of the universe. I'm sure. So this has been. What, what's Mari do? You you're you're doing like construction. You decide. Oh, this is one thing I got to tell this about Patrick. Comes in and I go, what are you? He says, well, I'm a general contractor. Well, what kind of permits did you have to get? How much schooling did you do? And continued education of I got the inspector on my whatever the hell. And he goes, no, I just said I'm a contractor. I'm a contractor. <laughs> Done. Well, who says? I don't know. My clients? Yeah. Whoever you know? signs the contract. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're a professional when someone pays you for something. So, you know, you convince a few people that you can build a tag and patio for them and and then you have a portfolio and people believe it. And it's like, yeah, I didn't have to go get a license here in New Hampshire. Now, in California, there's like 70 plus licenses for construction. New Hampshire is not great on licensing, but it's great on licensing and construction. Uh, so I can do all sorts of stuff. Uh, and, and even even the, so I do landscape design and design builds, right? So I'm building decks, patios, landscaping, lighting, pools, all this stuff in your backyard. And I need no license for any of it. There's an optional license if I want to call myself a landscape architect. It's like a certificate. I can, it doesn't limit what I can do, but if I want to say I'm a landscape architect, I can go to the state and take a test and get a get a certificate, pay 200 bucks a year, and, and say I'm a landscape architect. But it's optional. So yeah, how did the landscape architect lobby get that one in? You know? No, it's it's, it's, it's <laughs> one of those rare ones too, where it's like it's not a lot of licensing that's optional like this, where you can still do all the stuff. Well, I'm that's sure there amazing. was an incident where somebody put some bushes in the wrong place. Yeah, I, know, I know, I know, I know. And they were like, well, this will never happen again. We yeah, got to do something. Yeah, it was Senator, what's his name? I mean, you know. Yeah, that's how that stuff creeps in. That's one thing that um, the free state has been really good about is they see the devil in the details. They read the legislation. You got legislation. You're going to go, yeah, I see what you're doing here. You know, they make a big deal out of it. Before I moved, I was, for a couple of years before I moved here, I was reading the NHLA, that's New Hampshire Liberty Alliance's gold standard. This is a piece of paper, a gold piece of paper that they print out and give to every legislature. It gets, uh, gets emailed to them as well. And it tells them, We've had a bunch of libertarians look at this at this bill or whatever law they're trying to whatever shenanigans the state's up to, and it tells them what what the position of a principal position would be and how to vote on it, which is another thing because which is just no sometimes well yeah. that's, that's actually part of it it's just, just no how to never read it no. how to vote on it correctly though is sometimes not no because they got all this weird language right so sometimes you have to vote yes to say no, you know? And so they, oh, they make sure that they, they change it up on you. People make mistakes, right? And they're like, Oh, I thought yes was no on this one. And you know, it was no was no on that one. Yes was no on the other one. <laughs> I've never well, experienced that's, that's, that before. That's to keep them paying attention. Cause oh, in totally. Pennsylvania, for instance, they had a problem where people would, they'd wedge something in the button on yes. Oh. Right. And then they just leave. So the, oh, it would God. record yes votes for the, for the legislature. And then they could go drink martinis with the donors and, you know, and the system continues, right? <laughs> or people would be like, oh, well, I know he would vote for that. He's not here. Let me just Let me reach just across over there yeah. and I'll vote for, for vote for my a colleague I've over there. Videos, that yeah. happens. They call ghost voting happens. They don't care. Nobody cares. Mm. It's like, well, we just got to get this stuff passed. Who cares? Right. Yeah. We're just going through the process as window dressing anyway. <laughs> you know, this has been, you know, Patrick, um, the construction business during uh, lockdowns and COVID. Well, first, uh, to finish up with Michelle, I want to get on the, uh, do you think the lockdowns and the COVID and all this, you know, uh, school nonsense and everything, is that like a cattle prod for parents to come to you? Yeah, I think absolutely. So statistically, the amount of homeschoolers, like I think tripled. Um, you know, over the, the whole COVID lockdowns. So that was really dramatic. 
that the, everything just tripled in the amount of homeschoolers because people didn't want to deal with the public school BS. And I also think that during COVID, people learned about what was actually going on in their kids' school mm-hmm. and in their kids' education. So yep. there's a lot of families that you'll see now where maybe they didn't have a problem with it before, and now they all of a sudden do, and they're stuck in a situation where they don't know how to homeschool. Maybe they're not in a position to really homeschool. And so that's kind of where our center is a really good middle ground where they can have a place to send their kids to like a micro school or even just come and do a little extra stuff, you know, instead of having to figure out how to navigate this whole homeschooling system. That could be enough to just get somebody over the hump, just get them into that initial like, okay, we'll try this and then get their feet wet. Yeah, The nail in the coffin for for a lot of it was, was like you're saying, the, uh, the remote schooling. Oh, yeah. Once there was a laptop in the living room, and you wait, that's what they're teaching. I know. Here. So yeah. when we were at a Montessori school, and I, we we said the same thing, we're like, "That's your school day." Mm-hmm. Like, and Montessori just doesn't even work remote. It's it, even the fact that they <laughs> tried it was just silly. But we're like, "That's your school day." Like, that's a, like we, we can do better than that. Come on, let's make this happen. And so that's that's. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I'm even doing this construction company to make enough money so my wife doesn't have to work so that she can yeah. teach our kid for the next few years until he's fully autonomous and on his own, right? Um, you know, yeah. So that's Mari's job is Archer. Yeah, I mean, she also helps me with the company a lot. So she does all my bookkeeping and all my, you know, a lot of answers the phone. Oh, is that, that all? Yeah, yeah, just a lot of the things I, I can't do in the field so easily. And, yeah, that's why I try to convince Donna. I go, oh, but I can't do this, baby. You need to do it. You know, so yeah, it kind of, we had four kids about the same age. I mean, they're one after another. Mm-hmm. So I had diapers for six years, you know. And uh, this has been more that I see the responsibilities of what happens with other parents and how much work it is and everything. I really have a lot more appreciation for what Donna did all those yeah, years. I'm going, damn four, you know, <laughs> but the older ones by necessity, they had to become more responsible, you know, to help with their siblings and, you know, our businesses and our restaurant and everything. I mean, they, by the time they got out of high school, I knew they were ready whether they had high school or not, you know, right. they got a lot of, a lot of out of it, but this is, um, it's really great, Michelle. I mean, you can hang out with us if you want, but I wanted to make sure your story got out there. And Brian, you know, that he's been a, I don't know, would you consider him an entrepreneur or more a philanthropist on this thing? <laughs> a little of both, I think. He's definitely helped out a lot, um, which I tried to take it off of his hands, but unfortunately needed a little help on, the, on quite a bit of it. So, um, but yeah, no, he's been awesome, and you know we're working together on quite a few other projects as well, which are not not coming out yet. But uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's kind of like autonomy with Richard Groves thing. You just create a whole army of people that are capable, and then you make use of that. And I can see the same thing's going to happen with what you're doing. You know, as the future go on, you know, the kids, you know, they may come back or 25 disaffected with the whole system of I want to be a teacher. I'll do my own damn thing because it worked for me and I got kids and I, I just it's going to grow. Yeah. You know, and it takes people like Brian and you with the vision to begin with. They even freaking want to. And then the confidence to just do it. And then the faith in the you know, other parents and people to be capable of taking advantage of it. And the timing and the timing kind of been better. Right, like when he got this and, and, and put this whole thing together, and the timing with the COVID stuff, it couldn't yeah. be better. Because, like you're saying, kids are, are are going into homeschooling across the country, but New Hampshire, I think, was number two most per capita of okay, kids yeah. getting out of government schools and getting into homeschooling. So it's it's big here, especially. This has been this has been you know great talk to me. Congratulations and good Thank luck. You. And we're uh, looking forward to. I think we may be doing a 
uh, Jody's going to do a paper and do that. That's an excellent opportunity to be able to promote, you know, that. And we'll make sure you guys know about that. Okay. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. Patrick, let's go ahead. I want to I want to get caught up on what you're doing in the construction business here mm-hmm. and the people that are moving and how, you know, you market and what you're doing and when we're going to build a 30-foot dome for New Hampshire and for James is in line. And, I mean, you know, we're, we're going to do it up. But being the construction guy, I, I would be remiss – if I didn't make an effort to have, you know, for at cost or whatever, just to get them in the technology up here to be able to do these domes up uh, by next summer, mm-hmm. you know, you know, if, if Brian, you know, they're looking to buy this, you know, Rogers here and everything, you know, and Crosby said, yeah, you can have them back there. And whenever I get off my butt, I want to do it or have a reason. But it's for me, the motivation is for these young families and people that move up here, exactly what we're doing in Washington they have a quality place to go. Right, and a, a transition. Of it. Right, 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 right. Come see the, the demo home. Well, you know, the thing is, is if you can get a 30-foot, you know, loft, big, giant, oh, my God, for $5,000, I'm like, no, you can't. And I'm like, I don't know, man. I think yeah. maybe we can. So we start demoing that. I know what's going to happen. Yeah, just, I'm going to tell you something exciting. I had two conversations down at my – displaying a few things and we can talk about the other ones but down at my site for construction has brought two different people in that want domes on their property and when i talked to them about your style and then the masonry stuff they're both of them like homesteader types that want want you know cheap efficient construction and they're both excited about it um one one it was about hospitality i don't know if he's talked to you yet but i told mm-hmm. him like all right you gotta go talk to ernie because your style of doing the domes is like right up his alley because he wants to build a bunch of them and have it be, uh, you know, Airbnb cottages kind of thing. Right. Uh, where there's, you know, there's a, a main house that has, you know, some food and stuff like that. And, and But you can come stay at the cottages right on a, on a lake. And But he's like, I want to be unique. I don't want yeah, to Yeah, you put a dome on an Airbnb. They'll just be flooding it just to go look at it. Exactly. You know? That's what he's saying. I want, I want it to have a bigger draw. Because there's a bunch of these in New England where there's a bunch of little cottages. And a lot of them are, like, building 50s and they're falling apart. Um, and so. Freedoms.com. No, I'm, I'm, I, I want, and that's why I signal, uh, of course we always talk and do a show and, you know, you always give me a good insight on what's going on up here, but you know, being in the construction thing, I know that that demand is there mm-hmm. and for that, and that, you know, you make profit and make a gazillion dollars, you know, God forbid somebody pay me, I, I don't care, but that's not really the point. You know, and of course, you know, a lot of my better factors are going, it better be the point, man. You better <laughs> make, 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 money. make money. But the, um, nothing's sustainable if you can't make money on it. Right. Right. It'll right, die. right. So it, there has to be, it has to make, and, and honestly, if it can't make money, it's probably not that great of an idea. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But I want to, you know, the thing is, is that when they have these, uh, prefab, we need to just, you know, pull the trigger now, boxable fold out house on a lot of, I plug it in thing. And in Arizona, they're called Palm Harbor homes. They're kind of like, you know, permanent mobile homes without wheels. I mean, you know, there's, they're modular, but you get like my friend Bob Anderson is 2,600 square foot home. It's two by six construction, very well insulated, and boom, there it was there. Then I'm going, cool, and it's a very nice place. The decks around it and all that kind of stuff. But man, it's kind of a pretty penny. I mean, you know, yeah. and now it's going to be a billion dollars. Yeah. So my thing is, is that if I can get the same square footage. You live in, in a well-insulated, energy-efficient, you know, has some cool designs of which we showed you some of our architectural stuff that we're doing. And I'm going, that would be a value sure as hell to me. 
I I want to have I'll I'll pimp it out on the inside. I'll epoxy marble, you know, inlay Venetian, whatever the hell, you know, if I want to, <laughs> you know. But after I get where I'm out of the freaking sun, you know, out of the snow, out of the you know the, the weather, and that's what I see everybody for the last couple of years being on the road. Everybody talks about community or getting homesteading, getting off the land, getting away from the cities. Because even here in New Hampshire, are there threats from the cities? Do you feel like, man, Manchester, you know, this part of town is going to... I know, it's kind of like it's not that big, but even the you know Nashua, Manchester, Concord, Portsmouth, I mean, are they somewhere to get away from or run to? A little bit of both. I mean, I live in the city, so I, we, we moved around for the first six months here. We were still in that travel mode, and yeah, we are finding work and deciding where we want to live and what we wanted to do. So we moved around to different campgrounds in our RV that we still have here, and uh, it's a good way to do it and check out different places. We all ultimately went to the city. Um, you know, I'm from a city, so having all those city comforts right there you know, was nice, but plus there's a lot more libertarian concentration in the city. There's hundreds of libertarians in, in Manchester, mm-hmm. um, whereas, you know, you go somewhere else and, like, you know, there might be 50 here and it's a small town, but it's more rural, so it's more spaced out. Um, so that was one of the benefits to me um, for that. But, yeah, when it comes to, like, the government, sure, of course, the cities are the worst governments in New Hampshire. You know, towns might have bad governments, but the problem is with the cities is, is if they have a bad government, it's, you know, Manchester's 110,000 people. That's bad government for every all one hundred and ten thousand. Yeah, well, imagine Philadelphia. Imagine Philadelphia. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where where you've got it's just ten times worse on everything. Yeah, it's just and it affects ten times as many people. Yeah, it's just not safe. It's just it's crumbling infrastructure. It's it's taxes that are just ridiculous. Right. Uh, I don't. I can't even understand why anybody still lives there. You know, my daughter. <laughs> like, I'm like, there's some really nice schools in New Hampshire and Vermont and Maine. They're like, ah, uh. you know, I know you. Easy to convince people that government sucks when you go around Manchester. And you're like, look at these roads and look at these parks. Look how dirty they are. Look how crappy the roads are. And you're gonna tell me that government's the best way to do this, and there's no other way to do yeah, it. Yeah, roads are roads are your are your are your key issue to justify government. Just and look at them. Right, 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 right. That will ruin your car. I go and visit. I, the worst. I go and visit James. <laughs> and James introduced me to when Waze first came out. You're a big Waze fan, right? You know, because you can mark, you know, where the cops are and everything. Well, you go to Philadelphia, and they mark all the potholes. The potholes were swallowing dump trucks and stuff. <laughs> You're going in there. The biggest thing I uh, heard from the mechanics in, because uh, I had to do something, and they said they are busy as hell repairing what? Suspension. Suspension. Yeah, oh, sure. I mean. They're, they're, they're in there. They're, the front ends are going now. Alignment's all screwed up. The car's getting pulled, trashed, and they got their little... You know, rice rocket doing their blah 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 blah, bumping, going down. Well, it affects everything. Low, right, it just uh, just rips out everything. Well, I just had to I just had to do uh, two grand worth of suspension work on my truck, not because it goes off roading or anything like that. Like too like off roading is fine. It's getting Violet to school through these roads, like you know, trying to get down the roads in a hurry. You're just it, it's a it's like this cratered moonscape. Even in the rich suburban neighborhoods. The roads are just garbage. Do I have, don't know. Do you have safety inspections there like we have here? So we have this thing called safety inspections where your car has to be like, you know, safe according to the state. Okay. Well, one of the things is rust. Your car can't be too rusty. My car is rusting because the state salts the roads. <laughs> like, I didn't do that. You guys did that. It's, it's ridiculous. You know, one thing I thought I saw years ago, I think it was, it was before the pandemic, and it was um, um, Domino's Pizza. Uh, if you, you take a picture 
of the pothole in the front of your house or something. We can't, you know, can't deliver the pizza. We've got potholes, you know, kind of thing. So they were paying to, to fill in potholes. Domino's Pizza. Said, you know, this is part of their community, whatever the hell it was. What were the charges they ended up with? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It was a, the one that they, they said, no, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. We're not working with them. You can't because you can't. Did anybody go to jail over that one? I, you know, I lost interest after they started. I thought it was a cool campaign. Within a week or two, they were getting hassled from the man. And I'm just going, wow. That reminds me of the, uh, the Country Time Lemonade. I think it was out in, like, Denver or something like that. But, uh, you know, a kid got a... Uh, uh, you know, fine or whatever for not having a health license to sell the lemonade on the side and country time lemonade come out and, and they said, all right, well, you know, we've got a law team, lawyer team and we'll defend any kid in the U S from any municipality that says you need a license to sell our lemonade. Boom. You know? So it's like, there's corporate corporate so bad. It's like, no, I mean, they have an interest in selling their product. Yeah. That's good. And PR it's, you know, it's lemonade is associated with lemonade stands. Like that's just how they, you know, it's, it's in the American psyche. Who's going to really be like, Oh, that kid needs a permit. One out of a thousand idiots. Some Karen. <laughs> right. Like, but the other 99.9% are going to be on board. But I found a razor blade in my orange juice. <laughs> 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 this this has been you know I feel when I come to New Hampshire that I'm dealing with adults even when their kids are adults yeah. I mean in comparison you know and um, I, I I just I get a renewed sense of optimism for this and James you know travels a lot but you're generally in the east I mean you're not getting too far away from Pennsylvania are you? true yeah now so what, what, what's your life like you know how you're traveling around what are you noticing well I get up to uh, it's you know, as far up as Maine, down to Florida, you know, out to maybe Kentucky. It's kind of like my where I've been traveling all over. And um, I think the mid-Atlantic is pretty much uninhabitable. Now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's just, uh, you know, I mean, I love the people and, you know, all the friends and community members and all of that stuff. But it's just everything just gets worse and worse and worse. And there's cops and cops and cops. Uh, Pennsylvania recently had a um, was discovered that they had taken like five billion dollars from the toll money that was supposed to go to fix the roads, and they spent it on cops. Oh, great! They spent it on state police. Why are they out there with shovels or something? And they probably, well, yeah, yeah, they probably ra- rationalize it in some way. All oh, the cops use the roads, and so therefore I don't know what they get thinking, more fines. But, but meanwhile, like <laughs> they actually had uh, a big bridge collapse recently. Like bridges yep. are collapsing. The stuff's crumbling. And, I mean, if they keep this up, eventually there won't be enough bridges for the cops to hide behind. Like, it's that bad. The roads are crumbling, but the cop, there's cops everywhere. Fuel taxes are are amongst the highest in the country, and and the roads are the worst. So it's like, hmm, okay. Dennis, the organizer of this pork fest, um, has a saying, and I think it's very accurate, and it's unfortunate. But, you know, you're in these cities, and you, you can go to a bar, and you can meet a lot of nice people, and, you know... You know, it's kind of like how you, you have a cop friend and he can be really nice. But ultimately, he's not your fucking friend. He's not your friend. He's going to vote to tax you more. Yeah. He's going to vote to Well, it would be hard to have more. a friend that you couldn't talk to. You know, like if all you could say is, am I being detained? But I just mean like, you know, the, the normies that you meet in, in, in Philly, like ultimately they're the ones that are voting to tax your ass more. That's, that's not your friend. My friends don't. Do so that, who's you know? coming? Is it these people that have had enough or they kind of free and oriented? Man, we just got to survive and make the move. Are they what, what is the crowd that's coming now? Because you're out there. They're here probably less than a year and they need their deck finished. They're mm-hmm. talking about make it go work. I'm sure you have 
you know, a lot of the community. But, you know, I would imagine that people, they buy a home here. They want a little bit of alteration change. Who do I call? I call Patrick. Mm -hmm. And you talk to them, you chat them up a little bit, and then you get some work done. But, you know, who are they? What What is their motivation for coming? And why now? Um, well, so I think those are, are two separate things because I, I honestly don't do a ton of work in the free state, you know, with, with other free staters. But I do do work. I do work with, uh, you know, all sorts of normies that find me, right? And uh, quite a few of them end up being libertarian anyways. They, and they have never heard of the Free State Project, right? They don't know what this is. But they're just libertarians living their life in New Hampshire. And, the, you know, I was in a, in a bar a few months ago and a lady was asking about carrying a, a firearm. And so a lot of the guys at the bar are chiming in like, oh, yeah, you know, I do. And this is this is not. Listen to everyone. I'm like, hey, guys, everyone in this room, how many of you guys would say like you're a libertarian? 11 out of 15 said, yes, but I'm not political. Like, if I had to describe, I'd say, that's New Hampshire. It's, it's two-thirds libertarian already. So you don't even need to, like, get business from the free state movement to, to be working with libertarians because they're all over the place. Yeah. Um, and what was the question? <laughs> well, the, <laughs> the, the, the movie. is all about? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, there's been, it, it's increasing. Um, there's definitely a lot of COVID regime escapees, right? People that are like, California just got real quick, got real bad real quick, right? And all over, people from New York, people... Um, coming in, but I, I would say right now there's just a ton of people that realize that, um, you know, they kept thinking, oh, you know, maybe I'll do it in five years or maybe I'll do it. And they're waiting too long because shit hit the fan while, while they're trying to figure this shit out. So, you know, while we still even can. And, and I feel like I'm like, you know, like almost preaching. And I'm Mario, like, wow, we really timed that well. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, because we didn't know. We just thought, you know, maybe in 15 years shit will hit the fan. It'll be nice to be in New Hampshire. Said shit hit the fan like three years later. Did you feel you had enough time to kind of semi-prepare, or were you caught off guard? Um, with like COVID regime, yeah, you know, I, I, you were... I think we were pretty prepared, and you know, but it definitely kicked a lot of us into high gear. Like you know, even everyone that's already moved, you know, Brian, myself, it was it really kicked us into high gear. One, one because we started seeing the influx of people, and it's like, oh shit, we need to like you know, we had all these ideas. We think maybe we can accomplish over the next five years to get ready for the next five years of you know five years after that of movers. But it's increasing at an exponential rate. We need the we need the you know the, the structure and the infrastructure now, and so it just kicked us all into high gear to get build more infrastructure because the movers are coming, and that's companies and that's you know my app that I'll tell you about later, and that's Brian's stuff. He's coming over here. Man, tell me this. about your app now. Yeah, so I mean, I just I just released it. Uh, you you, I won't even get to the older stuff because we don't need to go into it. It's called Free State App. Freestate.app is the the domain name, and it's a directory for. Libertarians in New Hampshire. So I remember John Bush did a thing. It was called the the uh, black and yellow pages. Sure. Yeah. I yeah, had a thing, and right. I used to have a thing called Liberty Menu. And I just um, needed somebody to pimp it out because you're you're all about software website pimping it out. Yeah. So you know, it's, a, it's a business directory, right? It also has podcasts and stuff like that. No, it looks good. But it's all endeavors by free staters, and you know it's a networking tool for new movers, for existing movers. Is there a search function for somebody looking for... Yeah, you can uh, find an electrician or an right, architect. Right, 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 Real estate right. agent. Yeah, you can just search and say electrics. I think I think uh, we should put a banner ad for their new source of Freedoms Phoenix is what I think. Uh, so when you move, you can do that. Ah, You know, well, how much, you know, how, how long? Is a month long enough? Is it summer? If I get a if I get a dome and a cabin uh, coming, how far I gotta go? Yeah, so when you get property here, I'll, I'll consider. No, 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 no. You know well, that's awesome. You know, James, I wanted to make sure that you know you and I got the chat. Thanks for coming by and you yeah, know doing you. this. Is there anything else you want to promote? Uh, the Granite Republic is this new apparel line I have. It's a it's kind of a it's a apparel line that's like 
kind of supposing that New Hampshire is already its own country. So the logo's a flag, the name's the Granite Republic, thegraniterepublic.com. And we got all sorts of Free Stater merch, Liberty merch. And the, the, the goal is by the end of this year that we have um, kind of more general appeal New, appeal New Hampshire merch alongside some kind of like lightly pro-Liberty merch. And that we get into the, the general stores that all have these like made in New Hampshire sections where they sell stuff like this. And kind of get more of that Liberty message, you know, just into people's minds subliminally. Right. Nice. Yeah, no, I, you know, cause it's a cool hat. I literally walk down the street in this hat. People just go, that's a cool hat. They don't know, like, know anything about what it is and they want it and they kind of get it. Cause it says the Granite Republic. Like, yeah. It's some kind of New Hampshire stuff, right? Well, why the gold, the blue gold, uh, maroon so you, colors right on the homepage. You can l learn all about it. Um, but yeah, it all has significance. It's uh, red, gold, and blue. You could say it's sacrifice, freedom, and cooperation. And then there's a, um, a green lone pine that has a lot of references in history, but I use it to mean uh, the individual, right? So it's called the Vanguard flag. These colors are the Vanguard. They're protecting the rights of the individual. And you can learn more about it on the website. I'm uh, one of the pirate flags myself, but uh, I like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, there's no skull and crossbones on it. He's yeah. not interested. But the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that you're, oh, see, there's... I'm, I was wondering the same thing. He's, he's cold, and Mari, his wife, comes in with a flannel. Man, there you go. There you go. Thanks, Mari. Mari, did you want to say anything? No, she's good. You know, she's. I think she's rounding you up. But the, <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go make pancakes for people. All right. Hey, thanks for hanging out with right, us, Patrick. It's good to see you, man. Yeah, go ahead and get over there, James. I want to yak with you a little bit. I'm going to have to bail out pretty soon. Yeah, no, I'm ready to wrap it up. But the um, I wanted to make sure... That you have enough voice that we can actually pick you up. The um, you're one of you know, like you and me, kind of like OG, you know, the old guard. You know, we've been around doing this, and we went through the the libertarian, you know, thing, the party that was kind of like a uh, liberty nexus. You know, it, 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 Drew Phillips calls it. He goes, it's kind of like the the LP conventions and party stuff. It's kind of like the high school dance. It's where you go to find out where the real party is. You know, and uh, it's but is the real party here? Is it still yet to come? Is there a tsunami, a wave? You and I have seen this wax and wane and build and gone through, you know, the party stuff and the revolution and the after of that. And then another run in 12 and then all of the uh, confirmation of things that we predicted. And then here it comes, you know, and I'm just wondering, you know, from your 30,000 foot view, what do you think is going to happen in the next couple of years? Well, I, I do see our community growing, but I also see sort of a, a separation where, you know, people are doubling down on dumb as well, you know, yeah. where, where, where they're going to be roadkill, right? Where, <laughs> you know, where, yeah, we're going to have a strong community. You know, there's going to be people that want to have privacy and they're going to use Bitcoin and there's going to be voluntary interactions and it's going to be peaceful and, you know, there's a, there's a critical mass there. So I'm not worried about that, but. On the outside, people are doubling down on their mandates, on their censorship, on their control, on the taxes, on the, you know, they're, they're going to start giving out uh, inflation relief payments soon. Uh, you know, we may see price controls, shortages. It's going to get crazy out there for people that are that don't have the resources that we have. So. Well, you remember, you know, Russia is a very rich, fertile land. You know, lots of resources, big mass air, land area. I mean, again, you know, Siberia, you know, out mineralized, freaking everybody. But you know, they they 
our years, you know, in the 70s, 80s, when we were younger in school and so on, we were taught and shown the very lines and scarcity on the shelves and all the problems that we would never even imagine would happen in America. And now we're seeing it in, you know, 3D techno color in front of your face. And you're growing up as a kid seeing this. Parents complaining about what, and I went through this in the late 70s during, you know, big inflation and OPEC and oil embargoes and lines and tripling of gas price, you know, that kind of thing. So I've been through this before, and I know, you know, there's a lot of upheaval, a lot of shifting, a lot of um, uh, awareness, a lot of decision making, a lot of things that people did, our families did, you know, my parents and so on. And I'm wondering with the technology we have of information and the archiving of we've been through this before and these guys centering everything and memory hole and everything and trying to hide a lot of things and so on. Is this round of of uh, recession, depression, whatever, is it going to be different than the others? Is there a harder core, you know, the planet that's, you know, going to go to iron and not going to shift? Are they going to get squashed like a bug? Are the aliens coming? Are they going to scrape the barrel and it's, we're aliens are going to take over the planet now or something? I mean, I, what is different this round? What do you think? Well, the technology is, you know, the, the promise of the Internet, right, was to was to decentralize and to let, let us all communicate with each other across the world. And unfortunately, that promise is is getting harder and harder to really see panning out now that when we see this kind of censorship on the Internet and where we've cancel culture meets, you know, this unified, you know, the tech oligarchs with the government, with the people with the social agenda, they, you know, the, with the media and Hollywood. It just seems like, wow, they, how did these people get so good at, at, at control? But they've really got, you know, they've really got something going. So because they dusted off that manual from building the pyramids or something. <laughs> but you know, here we are. You know, we we will have our own tools. Uh, you know, and hopefully, uh, you know, stay one step ahead uh, as decentralized entrepreneurs, creative thinkers, free people acting freely. I feel like you know, ultimately we have an advantage. But it's really sad to see how people are just getting got roped into everything. Like, I mean, I have kind of a pessimistic view, but I never thought I would see people that in the COVID lockdown regime, how quickly people jumped right on board, demanding their own businesses be shut down, demanding their own civilization crumble. It was kind of shocking to see how low people could get. It was... um... It was obvious to me because we were kind of out of it. You know, we were I'm under the bus or removing or we didn't go. I went to, you know, uh, uh, the auto parts store, the freight liner, big, you know, uh, rig kind of place, Home Depot, Harbor Freight kind of thing. And at the time, they were like, eh, you know, they just weren't really, you know, mandating. Of course, they, by then they started shutting down all the other stuff and everything in the spring of, you know, 20. But it wasn't until we brought the bus from Maine, Derek and I and his son brought the bus from Maine to Arizona, and it was a few 18-wheelers, a couple of cars, and us. It was like a dystopian sci-fi novel. I mean, it was just, you go, that would never happen in America. I'm telling you, the highways were barren. Yeah. 
and services that stopped. Stores were not open. It was just the most, I mean, you get the, the fuel stations, the flying J's and the pilots, and then you have the CEO goes before Congress says, you guys are going to be out of fuel. Union Pacific just came to us and said, we got to cut 40, 50% of our DEF haul. Then in these newer trucks over 2010 don't run without that stuff, you know, because the chip says. Or well, something. now we're facing mm-hmm. DEF shortages. Yeah, no, it was, here it comes. You know, I'm going, wow, because that was the only thing open. You know, you're driving cross country. There's make, you're not driving cross country unless you go electric. I don't know if that, I have no idea what the motivation is, but it is intentional. This is definitely the food supply, the supply chain of other goods, the uh, uh, empty shelves, the Soviet Union-esque kind of, you know, this is your in my job today is stand in line for the bread. You know, it, it's just well, it just happens to coincide with what they've been promoting at the World Economic Forum, right? The right, Klaus Schwab right. types. It's like you think like oh, they give okay, you nine months warning. You're like you know those <laughs> Klaus Schwab types. You know, they talk a big game, but they don't really have that kind of control. They haven't really penetrated all the governments and media, and 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 then it's like, but they just happen to be doing everything on the agenda. It's like oh, wait a minute, yeah, who wrote this script? You know, I'm um. And it's so comical. Klaus Schwab is like, you know, perfect casting for a Bond villain or something. He is I, a I Bond villain. What and, the hell? and just like in a Bond movie, eventually he blurts out his evil plan, right? And for all, for the hero, they're like they, they're blurting. There's a yeah, website. Klaus wasn't shy. There's a website <laughs> with their evil plans. They do conferences promoting it. They they brag about how they've uh, infiltrated. <clears throat> Uh, cabinets and and taken over countries like Canada. Yeah, I don't know what they call it, but it seems like I go. It's like it's like a junior achievement club to be a young WEF young ruler leader. Yeah, whatever it is. Whatnot. They're they're a global leader junior achievement club, and uh, and of course, you know, throughout society, you have sociopaths as a, you know, they have no empathy, they don't care, and they're. They're targeted, they're marketed like in a farm team, and they're brought up to the big leagues, and they're just, ooh, pick me, pick me. I want to be the hall monitor in, in the hallway in the class, you know. I wear my little sash and belt and tell That's people what, what to do. It's a hall monitor syndrome for these people. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, I got a shiny badge and, you know, and the, you know the, the fine hat, and you always somebody backing them up with a gun, you know, to make sure you comply. And that was the one thing that I saw around the country it was sheriffs that refused to enforce a lot of this stuff. Because it always comes down, well, well, you know, some bureaucrat with a clipboard will go, Sheriff, make him do it. I'm here to make him, and he won't do it, so make him get your gun. And some of these sheriffs go, nah, I'm not doing it. And they'll be like, whoa, what the hell? Like closing businesses, things like that? Yeah. Like the shutdowns? The restaurants and so on. It happened in Arizona. You know, the Navajo County, they had to, uh, by Jackalope there, there's a place called June's Cafe, and we found out that they weren't, you know, wearing masks and didn't require you to and screw it. And we were like, boom, guess where we're going? So we just flooded in there all the time we could, made friends, did shows from there, you know, interviewed the miners, the ranchers, the loggers, the farmers, the president of the, of the um, uh, Chamber of Commerce and all this kind of stuff. What's the deal? And they go, the people that closed, they're shut down permanently. They're done. The ones that stayed open, you know, uh, are still open in business. But they got their mandates you had to and can't, but the sheriff wouldn't enforce it. So he said, but I don't get, a, get your own gun. I ain't doing it. So that right there saved a lot of these places. And I go to the President Chamber of Commerce and I said, okay, I got to ask you a few questions. I go, did you see in retrospect that this was done intentionally? 
to take out, you know, the mom, pa, and entrepreneurs. You got to go to Walmart and Amazon or something. He goes, yes. I go, will you survive another lockdown? The community goes, no. I go, if they want to lock down again, will you? He goes, no. So they have already, as a community, made a decision. We're done. Well, that's great. But hopefully, you know, there's other people that would just as certainly say, oh, we got to do a climate lockdown now. Like, oh, yeah, the environment. We're going to do climate lockdowns. We're going to be rationing. Oh, you got to, you used your, your gasoline ration already. Sorry. Right, right, right. You know, right, it's right, like, right. and they're, they're, they can justify the shortages and the tyranny. At, oh, well, it's for the environment. And people Who will go it? for it. We like to buy maps. Oh, it costs $2. It costs $2. $2 okay. For, uh, uh, that's and price $1. inflation. Yeah, it was a dollar. Do- <laughs> It's like no, it's four dollars. It's for two dollars. Okay, two dollars. You can split it. Go crazy, man. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you got to buy the schedule. Plus, I get a Thursday schedule. That's good. Well, this is you know, it's good to see. I remember your girls doing that very thing. And these kids, how old do you think they were? Four, five. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they definitely weren't six, you know. So they're four or five, four or five. And uh, so I don't know what kind of impact, you know, if I made a dollar at that age back then as much as they're making, man, I'd be freaking in business doing something. But um, this is really good incentive. And I and I think, you know, even though probably don't need it, won't look at it again today, whatever, everybody's really supportive. Like when your girls did the 3D printed magnets and everything, they made bank. Oh, did she win a thousand dollars in gold one year? Uh, a, gold, a gold, an ounce of gold, <clears throat> an ounce of gold. Yeah, well, thank, you were one of the judges, and it was donated by Tim Fry right. for the Robertson uh, Roberts. Robertson Roberts. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what do we call that thing? It was. Um, it was like a Shark Tank kind of. Uh, yeah, what do we call it? Pork Fest Entrepreneur. Pork, it was. Um, that was great. I can't remember what it was, but we did it for years. You know. And uh, we had, it was sponsored by them, and there was ounce of gold, a 10-ounce bar of silver, and then $100 in Bitcoin or something, which is now worth billions of dollars. That would have been the one to get. That would have been the one to get. You know, but, uh, you know, and it's an incentive, but not just for your kids. It's they're, like a celebration of entrepreneurism. Right. And, it was an inspiration and, and, and to a lot of other people. Every, you know, it was like, it really just, it brought out such cool ideas and people and, and just the spirit, uh, you know, just just perfect for pork fest. I'm. Uh, what do you think of the people that are growing of age, and they and I think a lot of the teenagers, you know, is Violet Light coming? They want to come. Oh yeah, they're 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 here. So you know, Dorothy, they get married, have a few kids. You think this will be a tradition for their families? I, I hope so. I mean, I can't really say, but. Uh, you think they, yeah, but seems I would like think it seems, yeah. seems logical. Yeah, you would think so. Yeah. They what benefit? They feel they benefited from this these relationships and stuff. They're recognized, sure. You know, and they got skills. So this has been fun. I just before we wrap up, I just want to make sure the whole reason I like talking to you is that you got a. We share a lot of similar perspectives on activism, what's effective, and you know what's cool, and people, you know, trends are going. Where are we trending? Are we going to be all right? Oh, we're going to be fine. The rest of the planet is probably not so much. Yeah, the rest <laughs> I don't know about. But yeah, we're, we're good. <laughs> what? Tell me how your life is. Uh, are you traveling a lot? you got a nice rig and everything. You went all Hollywood on your truck and so on. How much time are you spending at home? Uh, well, I, I, I spend a lot of time at home. I'm just uh, just wrapped up my divorce. 
uh, which took like two and a half years. So I'm uh, officially single again. Uh, it took a while. But um, so got uh, shared custody with Violet. So I get I'm with Violet like half the time. So I can't really go too far, you know, but uh, everything seems to be working out. Yeah. So you guys, you, your stress level has gone down. How much working are you doing? Because you can do online. I got tons of work to do. Yeah, know, so you're always in your hovel over there. I'm right? never, I'm never free. You know, that's kind of the one of the downsides of working for yourself. It's like if I take a day off, my clients might find out it's I'm just this little guy. <laughs> you're not allowed. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to act like I'm a professional business, and you know, you got to be open. So you, you're still doing human resource stuff, marketing for. I do employees. like help wanted advertising for clients. So okay, well, I, I got help wanted. We'll talk. I need, I've been interviewing P. I, I need help. Now there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of talent, but um, it's there's so much eagerness to learn and do stuff, but there hasn't been that much experience and time doing it. You know, and some guys are they're just that are very capable. You know, like Derek and so on. We share for a lot of things is is so overwhelmed because because they're a victim of their own success. You know, and as a lot of these guys are, and I try to disperse the load. We're going to be helping them. You know, I think it's time for a newspaper for these guys to, you know, fight back on, on these unlimited resources that they them those coming after Jody and Jay and the project and they're, the the um, progressive bureaucracy technocracy that is invaded. And I saw it at the county level. I can see it happening from the mid '90s. It was a targeted thing. Because they're the ones showing up with the clipboards and you're not allowed. Then they want the county sheriff to enforce it. And it's it's kind of breaking down. They're seeing conquer is easy, control is not. You know, I remember that was a the Afghanistan lesson. <laughs> right. And I think that that I think I think I think that the um uh that was the Romans that, you know, were doing that and they go, um, yeah, conquer is easy. We got these legions, we can go kick some ass. Occupying, controlling, managing, governing—not so much. The damn, them, damn Christians. You know, they're good at destroying stuff, though. Yeah, they are. You know, I. What are they destroying? Is it a, a state of mind? Is it peace? Is it, you know, in place of what? Is it a offering to Lucifer or something? I mean, what the hell are these guys trying to do? That's a good question. I mean, which which they them those are you referring no, to? No, was won't leave me alone. <laughs> that too. Well, but the, now, yeah, let's do it. You know, now we're gonna get Doug Smoothie. You know, Doug Scribner is oh, nice. hanging around, and we're gonna get him in. You know, James is great. You can, you can hang out, James. You got stuff to do. You yeah, gotta go do. Bad. But yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. met you before. Oh, yeah. You know, go ahead. And, you I can hang with us. So on. All right. Of course. That's James Babb. Is there anything you want to pimp or well, push? Um, I'm, at noon, I'm going to do a presentation in the media room for uh, about Free Ross. It's going to be kind of an overview for newbies that aren't familiar with Ross Albrecht's case and uh, some updates. Yeah, you've been following that and supporting Limp in the beginning. You've been a big part of making sure that it stays out in front. Well, so is everybody around here. I mean, this oh, is yeah. uh, this is uh, you know this is definitely the home base for for Free Ross. So unfortunately, Lynn can't be here this year. But um, she used to stay in my house. I put her up on my house in Florida. 
I've, I've, nice. Everybody says to, yeah. like, to go to Florida, you better stop in at your place. Ah, so yeah. I'm going to the frat house. Yeah, it's not a flat. Don't see who got that reputation going. It's not a freaking frat house. It's an incubator. <laughs> We're going to find out right now. <laughs> Thanks, James. All right. Well, it's great seeing you. All right. All right peace, brother. Talk to you later. <clears throat> Mr. Doug Scrib- Yeah, see, my voice is, oh, no. is so something. Yeah. I put this way over there. People are going to see it's like one foot from them, three feet from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead and leave those in that, unless you need. Well, you got some for you. You got. You know, a couple? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, we have some uh, newspaper. Yeah, this is the newspaper. Yeah. You know, we have uh, uh, some will be here Saturday. Donna shipping it, and that's how long it's going to take. But we wanted to get it. Um, for the community, there's a, a lot of power in this to be able to insert the truth in where they're, you know, and it's mostly an online battle. I go, yeah, I got a paper. That interface is online. It is. Really and you cool, can afford right? it. It is. I'm really proud that we've been doing papers a lot. This one really was timely. And I did papers in, like I said, Orange County, California in the 90s. I you was know, doing newspapers. Well, there was, um, the OC. we had probably, we did 15,000. I was only going to do 10,000, but we had 6,000 sold and pre-ordered for delivery before we even finished it. And I was like, damn, okay, I guess we'll, you know. For forecasting, you mean, or? No, 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 for a project we were doing in Arizona and around the country with this. But uh, it was really, um, really encouraged uh, as a project, you know, that uh, James Corbett was really pushing because he saw the value in not only do we have it in PDF form and you can, uh, all the articles and ads have QR codes and interfaces at the diner with the Internet, and you can forward each article. That's really good. I got to forward it. Click, boom, and you forward it. And then, of course, it's available online. But one of these is the template for the newspaper. You know, you have the template and you have the edition. You go to the newspaper and you can download the InDesign template so it's already ready for them. And we have a couple of different formats for local printers. And does it like automatically generate QR codes for web stuff? Or do you put those in yourself? No, no, no. You got you to paste those in. It's easy enough to do. Yeah. Well, the reason we do it is because... If you do through uh, our site that we have for the QR codes, it can track where uh, it was done, like what state, you know, kind of community, you know, where it was accessed, the IP. So you can see how it spreads around the country. Plus, you have a much simpler design. It's easier to read, you know, the text because it's a, you know, small text. I mean, uh, a tiny URL kind of thing. Right, and it's got, I see the underlying hyperlinks are in the online articles. Yeah. I read that. So this is, so this is, um, it, it interface that we did this, I think 11, in June of 11 was the first time we did it. And, uh, we did a magazine, online magazine, and I wanted to be able to also have a printed copy and an interface with the internet so that you could read it online, you could share it online, but you had a physical copy of where you first got it, you know, and you're at the diner and you're interfacing. It's a, it's a great activist tool because we did newspapers back in uh, we did newspapers back in uh, oh the nineties you know a bunch of them so we were making sure that you know we wanted to get that old school effect and it's been really good but I wanted to, I wanted to go ahead you know sorry to go off on that but yeah. I wanted to you know uh, Doug Scribner reason to call him Doug Smoothie real quick. 
He's like, I want some Bitcoin. They were $6, and I guess I tell you what you can do with your Bitcoin. You can buy a smoothie, mm-hmm. you know. So Doug went down here. He had a little ice cream taco cart kind of thing. I had a smoothie thing. stand, yep, and 20. Did you even have an umbrella? Um, I had some, yeah, one of these makeshift tent things. You need it because it's, it's hot sometimes in the sun. Well, I thought there was a while there. You you were just standing out there on the, on, table. The, on the lot, man. It was. I'm like, what the hell, man? Yeah, this but, guy's working it. Yeah, but I had, a, I had a shade thing of some kind. One of these little cheap tents you buy at Walmart, you know, just the top. Okay. Of but, yeah, and then I had a cooler. I had a refrigerator. I had a freezer because I, I did frozen bananas. I chopped and froze bananas and frozen strawberries, frozen fruit, and then made... Oh. Highly sugarized smoothies before I understood how evil sugar is, you know. Um, Stephanie Murphy helped me understand that, so, you know. And then, so, uh, yeah, I sold smoothies for Bitcoin. And then, not just that, so I made, you know, a whopping seven Bitcoin my first year, 2012. I was here 2011. Um, and then, of course, 2010, I was Miss Porky Pole. Uh, no, oh, yeah, that's right, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, the big gay dance party. Yeah. They'd have this big tent and it'd just be, you know, a night party. I was know. the inaugural Miss Porky Pole. <laughs> well, there was... Uh, Michelle Voorhees was the second one. Really? Yes. <laughs> they they had a um, uh, a stripper pole, yeah. you know, in a competition. And Doug, I'll show you what's up. Well, I got trained. <laughs> Michelle Seven trained me with one trick, and I was the only one who could do it. And I well, got was pictures. It? I, I, I show you. I got to show you. I'll find it on Facebook. So, pole... Upside down, legs <laughs> spread. <laughs> there you go. I got a picture of it. So Boom, you win. I won. Yeah. You win. But, you know, people tried, but I was the only one who could do it, apparently. There's but, only like 20 people standing around at first Buzz's Big Gay Dance Party. So it wasn't a lot of competition. Well, Buzz's Big Gay Dance Party turned into a thing for yeah. a long time, mm-hmm. you know. But, it, um, you know, it, it's waxed and waned, you know. Hard, there's though. different, you know, yeah. events. And it seems... Like it always was, really, is that Pork Fest was in the capground. You right. know, you'll have a, a, a prominent, important subject or a speaker that will take up, uh, you know, you have a few hundred, maybe even 500 people there. But, you know, 1,500 people are up in the campground doing whatever the hell they're doing. Yeah. And then uh, they started doing this thing called uh, Silk Road, you know, that kind of white line that meanders through the campground because everybody's got to walk through anyway all right we'll do it here you know and uh so that that's been kind of cool but go ahead we only got like 10 minutes before aria needs the the studio here but go ahead and give us since then you've done it because i remember watch my bit was a really freaking awesome project that you were doing then you did air ethereum you're doing atms with bitcoin you're where are you now what are you doing so i i had you know my I kind of had to start a family office because I was, I hired my best friend, Mark Hilgenberg, who was a financial planner for years, but couldn't talk about Bitcoin to anybody. So I hired him full time. And guess what? Now we can talk about Bitcoin all day long. And he just researches opportunities for me and has increased my wealth and his wealth. So now that I had had to hire my sister for all the paperwork to be done because she's, you know, highly competent. Then I had to hire Will Pengman. A lot of you guys know Will Pengman. Yeah. Yep. He's a solver. And I needed, like, I suddenly have myself a family office in a way. So Where? Just, you know, well, family offices are just uh, wealth generating. No, no, no. Where? I mean, is it in your pocket? Is it on the road? You got an office somewhere? No, no, no. Just virtual. I mean, who needs an office somewhere? Right, right, right. I do own dogsoffice.com, which is surprisingly available. So (laughs) it's not a website. It's just email service. 
But well, you had. Um, I remember last year at Float Fest, you got a Model Y Tesla because you can sleep in the back of it. That's where I'm sleeping. I got this little SUV here. Yeah. It's not big enough for me to sleep. That seats don't oh. do it. Oh, I can't sleep. I go. What kind of crap is that? You know, yeah. I had to buy a little tent, a mattress, and so on. But my Model the, Y is right down there. I got my mattress in the back. The dog and I sleep in there. It's I know it's so awesome. Much, so much that you can just go somewhere, and go in. and it's comfortable. I can plug in. There's, there's, there's plugs everywhere here. So, so you you really like your Tesla? I love it. I've got three of them now, <laughs> arguably. Well, you know what happened is I mean, Douglas. Basically, what I do is I have my friends who want Teslas and I finance it for them, and then they pay me back. <laughs> yeah, that's what's happened. Yeah. You know what well, what uh, Doug did. Is he let me uh, drive his Y? Mm-hmm. Now he goes, no, 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 let it drive. You know, kind of, no, no, he goes, I go, no, I can't, man. Yeah, it's, it's freaky when it turns left and right on you. Yeah. Well, this uh, car has, uh, you know, like lane and lane you know auto cruise control or kind of whatever. Yeah. But sometimes it gets a little confused oh, and yeah. it wants to call mama and it wants to and it wants to kill me. So I just like, no, nah, I'm not not ready for prime time yet. But I was surprised it did as well as it did. I was like, yeah, this is coming, man. Oh, yeah. This is coming. Yeah. So what do you think in your travels, and uh, you're a tech guy, what, what do you think with all the upheaval and all the financial stuff that's going on, the inflation, everything that we've been afraid and predicted what's happening, and it's here, you know, where do you think we're going? I don't know. You know, Ernie, the answer is I don't know because, number one, the government always pulls stuff out of their ass. Number two... There are some theories, like Kathy Woods, Mark Invest, says, look, Target has overstocked their shelves. They have an abundance because of the COVID thing. They overstocked everything. And so their inventory is too much. I mean, that's one report. So they can weather whatever this is happening. I I haven't heard anyone else say that before, but she's a highly respected investor and and futurist. And she looks forward not five months, but five years. That's why she's big on Bitcoin and Tesla, SpaceX. Twitter, all these things. She's a huge, forward-looking, five-year future plan person. She says, I think we'll be fine. So, so she's buying a lot of Dogecoin, is she? No, hell no. She's, they they <laughs> have the Bitcoin fund. She's a fan of Elon's, but no one likes... I, no one likes... Uh, look, they bought $1.5 billion of Bitcoin, not Doge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I don't think he's... I, I do think that there's going to be... Some trolling with Doge. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's gonna he's gonna do he's gonna do something just to piss him off. Yeah. So I, I got enough that you know I'm just gonna have some fun with that. Yeah, you know. Sure, I mean, I nickel. I don't give just a shit. Just understand, you know? it's like uh, it's, it's, to me, all the shit coins, and I'll call it that. Yeah. You know, I'm a mini maximalist. I call myself. Yet my team finds you know other opportunities in other altcoins to earn interest or pool or stake, and I turn it right into cash. That way, uh, I can maintain my mortgages, my lifestyle, my fun by investing in other companies. Is what I do, and it's also a way to keep tone base as a friend. You know, because I just, I'm I know, I know. And you said to me, Doug, the only reason I haven't blocked you, we're still friends. I mean, we travel together sometimes. Yeah, no, um, he could say he's at my house yeah, and stuff. Only we're, we're still friends. I just had him on recently, yeah. yelling at him. Oh, <laughs> when he says the only reason we're still friends is because you sell your shitcoin gains and you turn into cash and then ultimately turn into bitcoin too yeah. he you know, uh, just well, last I year i had uh, max kaiser 
in Arizona on the bus. So he's, he's in there, he's doing a thing, let me help promote whatever. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, now this is a Bitcoin maximalist event. You're like, yeah. hey, you need not apply, you know, that kind of thing. Nice. And I'm like, no, I, I got you, man, don't worry about it. And, um, but uh, uh, I had Tone Vase on with him after I did the interview with him, and he stayed on the bus mm-hmm. and had Tone, he was in line getting across the border in Mexico. That was like a thing, yep, you know, yep. as we're doing it. And both of them, but Tone just, just irritatingly so. I, I mean, it's just, I mean, yeah. oh, God. I and, and I, but I, we're still good friends. Yeah, yeah. I, I travel a line because I'm like Eric Voorhees, where I see, hey, Bitcoin is the king. There's no question about it. The founder is anonymous. It, the first mover, it has second layers that will be developed. Yeah, it's going slow. Don't worry about it. Expansive. No, it's not. Wow, with lightning. Dude, but do, you, do you know how much my minor on-chain fee was yesterday when I tipped the coffee person? What? Six cents. I can prove it to you. Six cents. People say it's expensive because they think about the, the block wars. you can't count on it. Count for what? Count on it for what? When the, I, this is, the, you know. The like, fees have not been high since the original Bitcoin cash split. That's when it was a big war and the fees were being, you know, people were like, Doing this is my video, experience. Video uh, yes, they were. Let me tell you when. That's why it was so expensive. And now, because of SegWit and other technologies. Well, see, this is what tone all you Max was going, well, you got to do this, and you got to do this. You got to, man, where's that grandma adjust button you guys promised me? So, it's called Edge. It, so, yeah, no, I, I use Edge. But the, um, uh, i give you a good example. Whenever it starts to crash or it starts to go up. When it starts to crash, I want to buy some. Yep. You know, um, uh, when it, you know, I think it's too high. You know, I want to convert or sell. Well, what happens is it's at those times that the fees are so high. Yeah. It's at those times oh, that I gotta high. wait. But, but high meaning what? Two dollars? No, 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 no. I got, I got a, a thirty-six dollar charge one time. When? How long ago? And How I go, long ago? Well, it was during the flipping. And, you That's know. okay, then. That was no, years no. ago, no. Ernie. All right. God, all right, you're going to make me look at a chart. Uh, yeah. Everybody go look at the chart at yeah, the Bitcoin no, transaction fees over the years, ago. and you will see it going up and down and up and down. Of course it does. It's not, it's not freaking bubblegum money. No. You know, who came up with that was Tone. He goes, what do you want? Bubblegum bubble money? I go, damn Straight, I that's do. Fine, that's fine. That's <laughs> fine. Hey, you can have bubblegum money with Bitcoin Cash and Litecoin and Doge. That's bubblegum money. Bitcoin is, and I agree, it's flipped. The the, the um the, the narrative has flipped from cash to savings, and I agree that was a flip. When I was first here selling smoothies, it was cash. Guess what? Right now, it's better for savings. Lightning could be cash. Bitcoin, be cash can be cash. You know. Yeah, no, and that's I need a I need a micropayment. That's, that's what right. I need. You know, that's like, like starting oh, exactly, right. exactly. And I Who understands? Because Who understands more than anybody else yeah. than Mr. Doug Scribner that did yep. watch my bit? Yep. It was a YouTube clone that you could just, you clicked on the QR code and it automatically paid all the people that were in the system. Yep. They helped, they helped, Derek helped with that. Yeah. And had you know, I'm all over it. Yep. So I'm going, this is a perfect model. Yep. You consume content. You pay for you pay a nickel quarter and even the drummer gets paid. Yep. So I was like, 
This is awesome. Well, you the remember that so well. Yeah, you damn skippy. I, I thought that was when you were innovative it as was. hell on that. Really cool. So then it's like, ah, eh, we're kind of abandoning that and savings. I'm going, kiss my ass. Because well, I want, that's exactly I, what I wanted. Yeah, exactly. And I can tell you, the reason we closed Watch My Bit was because you were. The transaction fees are too high. Yeah, your $2 video was now $22. And that's something you can't do that, right? And it, 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 can't. Exactly. Uh-huh. And I get it. And that was. That was you're right. During but some of the answers, you know, like Portal, and they're doing, uh, you know, Internet three-point kiss my butt, or yeah. a lot of these other things are starting to use other currencies mm-hmm. to be able to do micropayments. Yeah. And I mean micro. I mean, I mean Well, pennies. you know, Lightning can do sub-Satoshi, less than a Satoshi, and it's going to be nearly free. It's still being... I've been, I, you know, they've lightning. been Lightning promising yeah. me for a while. Sure. You know, and I know, you know, Derek runs one, you know, uh, a lot of guys I know run little... Lightning networks and you know traveling RVs on their bus doing yep. kind of whatever, yep. so it, it's it's getting there. But yeah. the thing is, Doug, you can understand from the beginning, I bitch, and I get what I want because I can play really effectively and constantly, and yeah. you know, uh, you know. Oh, you know what? One of my intelligibly. One of my incubator companies is called Matterfy. They build wallets. I'll talk to them about a grandma just button. And it'll, it'll say, Grandma, just push this. Fucking A. And I'm going to see if I can get that in there. That's one of the companies I'm an investor in. And you know you know one thing that you can do? I talked to Play about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, maybe it made on the list. Yeah. This is the one thing that I see. Yeah. It's difficult for people to um, accumulate Bitcoin unless they go out and get it and, you know, go just go buy it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, but it's so easy to spend it, you know. Oh, yeah. In my wallet, because I said, you know what you do? You guys make a wallet. That if you're going to have it connected to my bank account, my MasterCard, like Edge is coming up with some MasterCard, yeah. no KYC. He was going to come on the show, and then he canceled. Wait, we got to fix something or whatever it was. So I'm, I don't know, some regulatory. Software is tough, like. dude. I mean, you know. Well, I have no idea yeah. what the problem was. He didn't articulate it, but yeah. I, I was really excited about no KYC. For a thousand dollars, you can just charge onto your MasterCard, yep. and then you can go spend it. And nobody knows nothing. Right. I'm going. Oh yeah, they're going to let that one just whiz right through. But um, um, what I was saying is, I'm going. The best thing that you can do is if every time that I spend, it would I could set it to automatically go on an exchange for my bank account and buy oh, yeah. that plus ten percent or fifteen percent. So I'm always gaining when I'm spending. I- that's a great. It's a great freaking idea. And I, and I think you know, Edge could do that really easily because they're connected with Wire and other third parties that do the. Yeah, I've bugged them about it lately, so I probably should hammer on them. That's always KYC. Like I use, I use. No, I said I wasn't worried about the KYC. I was worried yeah. about keeping, you know, not You're, losing all yeah, my exactly. all my Bitcoin. Right, right. Well, you know, that's like I always say, you, know, you, see, you don't go to a store and buy coffee with a shaving of gold. No one would do that. So it's the same with Bitcoin. You know, you just. Oh, that was the promise. It was. Yeah. Now, bullshit. In the beginning, it's well, it's anonymous, fast, it's cheap, it's going to you can coffee, you bubblegum money, and then they're like, oh, it's not so much bubblegum money. Yeah, well, that's because (laughs) networks change, uh, use cases change, and and things change. You know. Well, before we these guys got to get to the table, Aria is going to be one to hear pretty soon. But you know, I wanted to. What are you working on now? What's your main thing you're doing now? Since my pork fest days, I was at pork fest from 2010 to 2016. And then I took a six-year break for whatever reason. Wow. I bought a house in Miami. It's an incubator. I incubate companies. Air Ethereum is now Fly, Fly app. We hired some mega people like Dr. Dre's producer is my CEO. Brian oh. Santoshi is my COO. They're crushing it. Uh, Michael Turpin is one of our... Uh, 
one of our advisors and investor. Um, so that's a hailing app, a private jet hailing app like Uber. But it uses an ERC-20 token as a frequent flyer mile. The ATM business is still around, <coughs> changing the name to um, Knights Global. New CEO there, and we're killing it. I can't talk about the meetings we've been having with yeah, really yeah, yeah. well-known um, stores uh, because it's multi-use kiosk. How long have I been talking about that? And we finally have ATM and BTM in the same kiosk. And now we've got a check cashing scanner in there. So finally, it's moving forward. Check cashing scanner at a kiosk? Yep. Cashier right. checks. What, are you going in the malls or something? I was shocked how many people use checks. A lot of the uh, construction companies that hire immigrants pay them in checks, and they don't have bank accounts. Right. So they got to go to these... Right. Get ripped off. So, you know... We'll have to charge them something still, too, of course, but we'll have it on a kiosk, which means lower fees because there's fewer men hours checking things. I mean, the visuals, the first check has to go to a guy who looks at it. Okay, final question. I yeah, want to yeah. get this. Then, where do you yeah. where do you think all this is heading to To what um, kind of atmosphere? Is Liberty Community going to be okay? Are we going to be targeted? Are we going to be the only last man standing? I mean, where, where do you think this is going? It's all about food? What? We are going to make it. I am a perpetual optimist, so I have a bias towards optimism. Then again, I'm set up. I've got the cabin in Minnesota, the house in Florida, homesteaded. I've got my Model Y that I can plug in anywhere. So I, now my, my team has moved me into cash. We sold a lot of coins, and, and not, not Bitcoin, though. We sold a lot <laughs> of other coins, and we're in cash for opportunities to come by. I'm scrimping a little bit. Um, I can't water ski behind another yacht anymore. Ah, I'm just joking about that. <laughs> but I'm very positive. It might take a while. I hear people talking about unrest. I just don't see it happening. I think the doom and gloomers. How long have we been hearing about the doom and gloomer, Ernie? I don't decades know, man. Th- this is and, the doom and gloom. But, but we've seen <laughs> that before, and we've always come out. It's never happened. Yeah, because the civil unrest seems to be seems to be part of race things, and seems to be part of. Cities. Cities, right. But it's not normal people that are, like, suffering, you know. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it. Potential's there. I'm going to be doing a... I want to replace government welfare. That's going to be my legacy. I want to replace government welfare... With? Nothing. Carrots and sticks. No, annuities. Private annuities. Private smart contracts that are managed by some charitable organization that's going to be set up, you know, and then as... As, as well, how's kids. it collateralized? Do people are collateralize it? They give their firstborn, no, they pay no, no, in? No, no, what? No, no. Charity. Charity. How many churches and nonprofits you know, are forced to give to these government welfare? It's like, well, I'd rather give to this because it's got my kid's name is attached to an account. And he get, uh, you can see his growing wealth. Okay. And he so can like, see the bonus that that church has has pledged to him if he stays out of juvenile hall until age 13. Okay, so it's like a, a um, um, uh, ah, crap, I had it on the tip of my tongue, yeah, but, it's, it's like, you know, it, it, like a medical savings account yes, or education savings yes, account, but you're yes. investing in the future of, yeah. you know, and, and, and them not being and a dick. And, and the family, they have a good social credit score. The family, <laughs> the family can set up their own social credit score. The family or, or a community, if, if the kids don't have a family, can, can adopt them and say, look, if, if you just make it through high school, you got that bonus. You go to juvenile hall, it gets taken away and goes to your sister or goes to your parents or goes to some other family. Oh, you're in juvenile hall and you get out and you keep your nose clean, you get it back. 
I want to set up all kinds of gamified things. It sounds like a big, but it's all voluntary. You know, it's a social credit score. No, 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 no. If your idea isn't big enough, I'm not interested. Right. And you, I'm like, Doug's got big ideas. Big ideas. Doug, where do they go to find uh, you know, uh, more about what you're doing? You got to, you know, Doug'sIdea.com or no, something? Yeah, my, my Twitter handle is at Doug Scrib. Um, I'm, I'm off of Facebook for the last two years. I jump on rarely. Not missing anything. Um, but I, my companies that I'm repping are Matterfy, Global Nights, Fly Air. Um, and I'm, I'm in a lot of conferences. No, no, you're around. It's been good to see you. I know. I you know, you had, a, you had a health bout there for a while. You're I looking good. I had cancer, and I'm totally cured. It was an easy cancer to fight, a horrible cancer to experience. Oh, I'm glad you're doing okay. Thanks, it's all, it's lighter yeah. when you're around. Oh, thank you. you know. Come to Florida and visit, man. We'll take you out on the yacht. Did I say that out loud? Oh, we're going to go yachting. Yachting. Peace. Declaring our independence again here at Port Fest 19. It's June 23rd, 2022, and we're having a nice, just impromptu conversation with David Friedman. Now, you know, David's been a speaker at our Freedom Summits. We've crossed paths over the years, say, yo, what's up, been on the show. And the big question is, I am of the opinion, this is going to be a food thing. You know, it's going to, there's going to be a lot of motivations for a lot of these people here have already made moves, you know, to New Hampshire or other rural areas where they want to be more sustainable, get their children out of the government schools, provide for their own nutrition, start to have, you know, barter networks, agorist markets. I can see it building. And over the last couple of years, my impression has been that, you know, the people of this mindset are fleeing the urban areas. Now, in numbers or percentages, it may not be noticeable or that much. Well, it is noticeable. There's, I mean, hell, a lot of California is going to freaking Mexico. They're sure as hell going to Arizona, you know. So I'm going, this is going to play out how. Now, David has his opinion. I just wanted to get him on record, and he has an opportunity to express himself and share what he thinks is going to be happening over the next couple of years. Let me start with the anecdote you may know that after one of the uh, American victories in the uh, American Revolution, one of Adam Smith's students came to him and said, Mr. Smith, this will be the ruin of England. And Smith replied, young man, there's a lot of ruin in a nation. And I think that there's a tendency to greatly exaggerate how fast things happen. Uh, you can see the same thing. George Orwell has a comment written after, after World War II near the end of his life, where he's evaluating the things he wrote during the war, mostly. And he says that he thought he was usually right about the direction things were going, but greatly exaggerated how fast they were going in that direction. So I think that what you're telling makes a nice story, and you might be able to make a nice, uh, you know, history novel out of it. Uh, but my guess is that 10 years from now, you will still be able to go into a grocery store and buy food. Uh, the U.S. produces can produce a whole lot more food than it needs to. Uh, I do not know whether on net we'll be worse off or not, but I don't think we're going to be hugely worse off. Uh, we're probably going to have a good deal of inflation. Uh, inflation is a nuisance, but inflation doesn't actually you know, kill people all by itself. Uh, it's just a change in the value of the dollar. And we don't need dollars. If we get, I suppose, then cheap dollars will be an asset, not, not a liability. So, so I guess it just seems to me that you're greatly exaggerating. Now, whether 
What do, you, what do you think it is that I'm claiming or I think is going to happen? I think you are claiming that in, at some point in the next few years, people in urban areas will have a hard time getting food. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think with that. I think soon. That's your claim. Yeah, no, I'm thinking this is going to be a food thing. Well, you, when you say difficult, if it's av- it's always available. You know, everything, the answer is always yes. It's just how much. Now, when you get people are spending, you know, they can't make rent or mortgage because they had to put gas in their tank. You know, I this is, I didn't bring my bus this year because it was $6,000 to drive here and back. The, the, the estimate of economic historians is that the real income in the U.S. at present is 20 to 30 times what the average was through most of history. This is a very, very rich society, and most of us ignore that fact because we're used to it. Yep. And therefore, we are very, very lo- far distant from the point at which starvation becomes a serious issue. I, a different thing struck me, though, just in terms of your initial thing, and that was your use of the term sustainable. Because it interested me because that's a term I'm used to hearing from people on the left. Sustainability is their objective. Uh, and I, in fact, had a, a few years ago the uh, university I was teaching at, which was a university which was what I would describe that their ideology was soft leftism. They were reasonably nice, tolerant people, but they thought that you know, ecology was important. Sustainable is a word that I know is identified with you know, left ideology, would they want to whatever. What does but, it mean? Well, I, you know, I want, I, I think what they mean in the liberty community here when they're talking sustainable, that they can keep doing it. Now, they can afford to live on their land. They can pay their bills. They can keep eating. They can sustain the lifestyle that they wish to but, but share. Is, that assumes, I think my complaint to you is the same as my complaint to the people who are pushing sustainability from the other side, that that assumes that people are going to keep doing the same thing forever. And in fact, they're not. That my example back back when my university was pushing sustainability was that that says that back in 1900, when transportation existed of horses, we had to just make sure that there was enough open grass around the university so that the horses used by the professors and students would have enough grass to eat. And that turned out that that's not actually the way we get transportation anymore. It hasn't been for quite a while. So, so it seems to me that it, it is true that if you want to live in the identical same way forever. Uh, I just want to live. You know, this this is one of the things, you know, David, I, I, what I'm really looking for is uh, there's a there's going to be a change in values. And I've seen it here at Porkfest. Porkfest is that they first started doing Porkfest a decade and a half ago or 20 years ago or whatever. You know, um, there would be a lot of these young guys would be, dude, you can walk around with a gun and smoke dope and come come next year and we'll smoke dope walking in the green grass of dude. Well, that happened a lot. And then you had a lot of the bars and the late night parties, which just still goes on. But these people started having children. I was, hey man, don't shoot up in front of my six-year-old kid. Kind of, you know, they kind of have self-polices or whatever. So, you know, drug use has gone way down. There's plenty of guns here, but it's not like on display as much as it was before. There's, uh, it's more family-oriented. You know, there's a crap load more kids here wanting to sell you a, a program or a bumper sticker or something, you know? It's been true for a fair while. I don't know, you, you go back farther than I do, but at least yeah. my impression of Porkfest for the, I don't know, I've been coming for maybe four years or five years or something that's, like that, is there have always been a lot of kids. That's one of the reasons really? I come. I like no, there, there, it's been in the last 
five years or so. Children were always, you know, welcome. They were here, and they had children program. But it wasn't until the young people started freaking having a boatload. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a lot of kids now. And it's going to, and I, you can see them run around all over the yeah. place. And they're just like free-range freaking four-year-olds, you know, I'll see you, you know, at night, you know. Well, the thing that struck me most last year, actually, was the... Uh, blowguns that were being sold, very pretty blowguns using PVC tubing and tape to ornament them and uh, 3D printed darts of various sorts. Right. It turned out that the entrepreneur responsible for that project was 10 years old. That I thought was really neat. Well, we just did a show and I remember, you know, we were talking about this very thing and some of the guys, young kids that are adults now in their 20s and so on, they, I remember judging different entrepreneurial things and and they win, and they got an ounce of gold, 10-ounce bar of silver for their little entrepreneurial project. But then they go on, and they, they do the walk the dogs thing. Then you find out two years later they got an army of junior high friends that are doing it in their community. So they're learning this stuff. But, but people growing up and having kids is not a new modern trend that's been happening for you know, some... I don't know, man. It needs to be. Yeah, we're, 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 we're losing birth rate, man. You know, there needs to be some replacement. And especially with these types of, they're feeling that instead of, no, oh, you don't bring a kid into this world. Look at all the problems. There are people we're, who say that. Well, these guys are like, that's why you do it. You got to fix it. You got to breed them out. And they're doing it. You know, I'm. Yeah, maybe. My guess is that most of them, that, that you don't really have a child in order to save the world. You have a child because you want a child. For most people. Yeah, but I want a world for that child. I mean, if I didn't think that they they were going to be born into a gulag, I might be, you know. But, 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 but the point is not that you're having the child in order to change the world. You're having the child because you have a reasonably optimistic view of the world. Right. There when it can be a decent world. And I agree that the whole, that it's one of the weird things about modern culture are the number of people who think the world is going to hell terribly. Uh, we're going to be all dead, you know, by this is the last generation kind of tone, right. and it goes along with the fact that literary uh, works, which are set in very dark things, are very popular at this point. I'm not sure why that's the case either, but it is a truth, it is a fact. I don't know, man, you're looking at 1984 as Operation Manual, you know, but, see, my thing, we have always been very optimistic, that's what the logo Freedom's Phoenix was about, from the ashes of Lady Liberty's torch, rebirth of freedom, freedom's phoenix. But there has to be the ashes. I mean, you know, it has to be, but there always is. I mean, you know, you go through this fourth turning cycle of, you know, stuff happens. It's a it's a general public opinion thing. It's a, a social thing. We're human beings. There's, a, there's cycles. But if you look at what's actually happened, say, in my lifetime, the opinions have gotten better in some directions and worse in others. That when I was in college, the view that capitalism really doesn't work need central planning of everything, and that's how poor countries get rich, was a pretty widely accepted view. And very few people believe it anymore. If you actually listen to the people who call themselves socialists, what they mean by socialism is welfare state capitalism, the Scandinavian system, because the countries that seriously tried central planning did very badly, and eventually it took a while for people to notice because there was a good deal of sort of ideology on the other side. Uh, on the other hand, at the same time that environmentalism of various forms has risen to replace socialism... Yeah, it's, it's a different, just a flagship for socialism. Not, <laughs> not for socialism. It replaces socialism in the sense 
that it gives a different set of arguments for governments interfering with people who do. Which is what the original but, goal was to begin with. I don't know whose goal. I, don't, I can't read the minds of people who disagree with me. And I think it makes, on the whole, is more productive to assume that people who disagree with you are honest people who hold views that you think are mistaken and you can correct than to say, aha, we know that they had an evil secret plan for the world and that's why they made these arguments. They... When they when I first started doing radio in 03, you know, I you always, you know, inevitably referred to well they this and they that. Mm-hmm. Who's they, you conspirist? You know, what are, what, are, what are you, an anarchist? I go compared to what? This? I vote none, okay, if I gotta vote. But I go, they, who are they? I go, good question. There are those that wish to be left alone, and there are those that just won't leave them alone. That's who they them those are to me. They're T three. They're the ones that will not leave me alone. And these socialists, these collectivists, these statinists, I mean, whatever, they have a better plan for me and feel justified in making me do it. They're not leaving me alone. It's no more except, complicated than that to be that quite a lot of them believe that you and your free society are not really leaving them alone because they would, most people do not, in fact, understand how markets work. And there's a perfectly straightforward but mistaken argument which says that you're imagining a world where each person can make his own decisions. But this is a inter, heavily... Inter- Am I allowed? <laughs> ...can make his own decisions without its affecting other people. But this is an, a heavily interlocked world where in order for one person to eat, somebody else has got to produce fertilizer and someone else has got to produce a plow. And most people do not understand how you can have a functional decentralized way of coordination. And therefore, it's natural enough that they think that you've got to have some, some well-intentioned person or organization or government which is stepping in and saying, well, in this respect, you're doing the wrong thing. We've got to correct it. Uh, and, you know, one of the reasons is paternalism, but there are lots of non-paternalist reasons. Am I allowed not to care what their reason for not leaving me alone is? You are allowed not to care, but if you don't care, you cannot expect to convince them. You but no, 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 no. to convince other people that they are wrong if you don't care about what their arguments are. What are you convincing them of? What I would like to convince them of is that a system of private property uh, w- without government interfering will accomplish their goals better than the alternative of a system with a large government uh, interfering. In and I think that, you know, our presentation of – I'm not trying to um, uh, convince them. I just want to make sure they understand why I'm so convinced. Persuasion, inspiration, doing it. But they aren't going to understand why you are so convinced unless they understand that... I mean, the the point I made back at the beginning of Machinery of Freedom, like close to 50 years ago, which is that on the surface it looks as though individual freedom isn't workable because each person's acts affect everybody else. And that one of the things you learn from price theory is that to at least first approximation, we really are in the world where each person can make his own decisions. Because your effect you on bang, other, it makes a I'm noise sorry. on the microphone. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Because your effect on other people and other people's effect on you is transmitted through the price system. So that insofar as you are producing something involves costs for other people, those costs you have to pay for because in order to get workers to work for you. You've got to give them a salary, which they prefer to their alternatives. In order to get sellers of inputs, you've got to offer them a payment that they prefer to their alternatives. 
that similarly, when you sell your output, the benefit of the output to other people is getting transmitted to you in the price. And understanding that is not trivial. That is, I, I can say those words, but understanding that, in fact, prices accurately, at least the first approximation, reflect things, uh, requires a noticeable amount of economics. Uh, and most people don't understand it. Most libertarians don't understand it. They haven't really thought through the logic of that. They just have the sort of feeling they should be able to run their own lives. And therefore, it's, it's not surprising that most people assume that, you know, you make some decisions for yourself, but that important decisions like, you know, who you sell to or who you buy from have got to be restricted to be the ones that are good for the society, so to speak. Well, I mean, give you a good example, I think, along the lines of what you're talking about. When I found out that, uh, you know, when they had land controls, well, they still do, you know, whatever. But um, they had the, the famous guy, I can't remember the case you probably do, to where a farmer was growing uh, food for his own livestock to be consumed on his property. And they said, nope, you can't grow because we have a quota of you're not allowed and you shouldn't and you're not allowed. And they go, he goes, and they, where's your jurisdiction? And, and that's Interstate a, Commerce Clause. And that's a nice example be, of precisely the point I'm making. Exactly. That it, what an individual does affects other people, therefore we must regulate you. And, and, mm. But it's, it's exactly the point I'm making, that because they thought that his effect on other people was not adequately covered by his private decisions, therefore they thought it was appropriate for the government to intervene. Which is the problem. Exactly. They're they're wrong. wrong. But but, but, but you don't prove they're wrong by saying it's because they want to run your life. You prove they're wrong by explaining the relevant economics. And then you realize, well, they're not perfectly wrong. It's true that it's only the first approximation, and there are some decisions you make that have some net effects, but you then apply the economics to the alternative, and you say, all right, how, how could you deal with that? And the answer is we don't happen to have any benevolent philosopher kings out there. So you apply the same logical structure to understanding how the political system works, and you then realize that, as I like to put it, market failure is the exception on the private market and the rule on the political market. That's an argument which is saying, in terms of your own objectives, you're doing the wrong thing. Am I allowed my own individual, I don't give a crap how it affects anybody else, subjective individual right opinion, and I'm just doing it and you, you can't have take every it? every opinion, but no, you don't believe that. You believe that if what you want to do is to shoot, is to take a, a gun and shoot randomly around this campsite, that you should be stopped from doing it. This, this, you know, so we can skip to the end on this. You're... An economic argument that these things don't work because they don't work. You know, and you can give statistics, you can show, you can do... Statistics aren't how I do it. But that's an economic thing. I want people to understand the logic of the argument, and that the logic of the argument implies that the leaving everybody free in the free market is not a perfect system. If we had a benevolent God to tweak it, they could do a little bit better but it is much closer to the optimal system than the other alternatives available, which all involve governments making decisions. And which is expressed in my which reason my show is called Declare Your Independence, because it had such an impact on me early on when I you know, started, what the heck is going on, let's go read the documents. It was very powerful to me to have the statement, the promise from the beginning that the purpose of government was the defense of individual rights. When it didn't do that, it's time to alter or abolish you your right, your duty. From the beginning, governments have been around for quite a while. Yep. Many of the governments didn't. The promise of America. 
So, you know, this founding document that we're supposed to worship on 4th of July, and I'm going, you know, what was the promise? That the only reason you're creating this thing is to protect your individual rights, not for market expansion, not but, for but, somebody's but, making the most money, not for the but, but better that, greasing that, of anything. But that then leaves the question of what your rights are, which is one of the yep. things you will disagree about, so that to take one of the... It's mine, 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 mine. It's not mine. It's mine or it's not mine, David. <laughs> there are quite a lot of people out there who you have, believe you have a right not to be discriminated against. We mostly disagree with that thesis. But you don't just saying it's up to government to protect your rights doesn't answer the question because people will disagree what your rights are. And it's my view, at least, that that a... Well, fortunately, we haven't written down there's a right of association, which implies non-association, or you have freedoms of speech. That's all these... All these down, you, you, you have to persuade people. There are lots of things written down that you don't agree with. For example, you probably don't agree that the slave trade should be permitted. And one of the things in the Constitution was a rule against prohibiting the slave trade until some particular date. Right, I don't right. know what the date was. So written that what, what you need is is reasons why people should believe it, not whether anybody's... Well, see, let's, let's take it down your road when you're going, yeah, these things are just... The market doesn't support this stuff. We've got to wait for the market to you know demonstrate and neon I told you so. Or uh, I, I'm, I'm wondering... I don't understand what argument... I don't understand either. I, I'm trying to get to where if everything is waiting on... Uh, the market to determine or economics, they need to understand and I'm going I'm everything I needed to know I learned in kindergarten kind of thing. You know, you, you don't break not people's... Not all of it was true. Well, you know, the point I'm making is that there's some basic fundamental rule number one, don't be a dick. I mean, you know, they, they don't, don't I understand, take, but, you know, but the people on the other side will say that if you choose not to bake a wedding cake for a gay marriage, you're right. being a dick because you're being nasty to people because of what their sexual patterns are. So you have any bumper sticker, hardcore, single statement that no, you the, the live your life by? Well, what do you live your life no, by? The question is what I can convince other people to live their lives by. And the point is that neither uh, we nor, nor people on the other side really have a way of showing, a way of deriving odds. This is a point that David Hume made quite a long time ago. You can't get odds from isits. And therefore, I have beliefs about what is right, and I have the belief that you are entitled not to sell to people you don't want to sell to, but I don't have a way of proving someone who disagrees with me that he's wrong. But we do have ways, not perfect ways, but ways, of proving to somebody who says, if the government controls X, good things will happen, we can show why their arguments for why that will be true are wrong, or we can show examples of places where government did control things and good things did not happen, indeed, where sometimes the opposite of what they wanted to happen would happen. And it seems to me that a much more productive approach to, instead of trying to say to people, you're evil people because you want to run my life for me, to try to say you are mistaken because your attempt to running my life for me is going to make me worse off, and furthermore, uh, the... It's, you're, you're setting up the kind of system you want is going to make most of us worse off. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm not looking to set up a system. I'm not looking to, you know, ha have a plan or to fix it or now I don't think it's fixable. I, I'm just going to let it, let it go. I don't care. I just, you know, one, on a lot of issues, you know, they want to ask me about what I go, first off, I raise my hand, I am I allowed not to care? I mean, is it something that I got to be, do I have to have an opinion? Yes, you do, and it better be this one. You or you're have good. to have an opinion. 
or you're getting canceled. But if you, but if you <laughs> don't think about certain things, you can't expect to affect the world in certain, in certain ways. Well, what if the world is my world? I'm looking for, and I think that's what you, you'll come up against. You, you spend a lot of time with these guys, and it's more, they're concerned about what they are going to do for their reasons and their place with the people they want to be with. You know, perfectly reasonable. But if you want to keep the world from changing in ways you don't want it to change, it's necessary to affect other people as well. If you all you want to do is protect yourself, that may be a perfectly okay. sensible. Okay, I'll go down that road. You know, my thing is the best way to do that, the most effective, and all the stuff that I've done has been by inspiration, by example. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think the world is filled with that. I got a billion stories of that. And it's all, you know, it's a, the aughts or whatever. It's just general public opinion. When general public opinion is, you know, we're Klingons and we take everybody's crap, you know, or the Vulcans land and live free but and prosper. You, but how do, you, how do you change public opinion? And one way of changing public opinion is to persuade other economists that when they teach their courses, they ought to be saying different things. A different way of judging, changing public opinion is to write a novel that people find very convincing mm-hmm. that that implies the things you want. A different way of changing public opinion is to have a website with argument. And there are a whole bunch of different ways of changing public opinion. And there isn't a single correct libertarian strategy. Uh, I tell you the one that it doesn't get legs until this part happens. Somebody does it. It's inspiration. When you can demonstrate the capability of doing it. There's a lot of that's why I come because all these guys we're working on different projects and things and night whatever yeah. we're building the future and I'm incentivizing it by you know yeah I want a thousand for that yeah we're going to help them do a newspaper thing for this we're going to help them with a low uh, mesh that's, networking that's, decentralized that's, that's whatever one, the hell that's one of the approaches that is a missing approach in my opinion and where I focus my time for my reasons that's sensible that is General, I mean, I've argued for a long time that if you look at political movements, whether libertarian or the left, they spend most of their time fighting each other. That is to say, the people on right. the left spend a large lot part of their time fighting other people on the left. And people, as we've just seen in the Libertarian Party in the last month or so, spend a lot of their time fighting other libertarians. And part of the reason for a little that, bit on that, a little bit. Part of the reason for that, it seems to me, is the mistaken idea that there is a correct libertarian strategy. And therefore, if you follow the wrong libertarian strategy, you are wasting libertarian resources that should go to my correct. Exactly. And that's a mistake that libertarians have even less excuse for making than people on the left. Because, in fact, there aren't libertarian resources. If you think that the only thing you do is elect candidates, and I have no interest at all in electing candidates, the result is not that I will spend my time on your project, but I'll do something unrelated. I'll spend my time playing World of Warcraft or something. And similarly for all of the rest of it. So the sensible thing is that those people who think that getting votes for candidates is a good way of spreading libertarianism get together and do that. Uh, now there's a bit of a conflict in the case of the LP between the people who think the purpose of the LP is to get votes and the people who think the purpose of the LP is to spread ideas. And those are not always consistent with each other, as we've seen with the last few years. But... But basically, it seems to me that what you want is a, a libertarian movement where different people are doing different things and where, where people are putting their, their time in their... It, it's related. One of the mistakes that keeps being made at the governmental level is that somebody who is passionate about some idea 
tries it and it works. Some idea for educating poor kids or helping. And then the government says, wonderful, it works. Let's, let's do it a million fold. Right. And of course, it doesn't work because it's not being done by a passionate enthusiast. It's being done by employees. Yeah, well, yeah. The biggest fear a libertarian has is some government plan that works. I mean, you know, then it gets bastardized into God knows what. But the, um, uh, I'm, I'm my, what do they call it? They, uh, 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 the word somebody used was uh, apocaloptimist. You know, <laughs> and I, and that kind of describes. I I, I do think we're going to go through apocalypse and it'll have good effects eventually. Yeah, no, I mean, I yeah, it's going to be bad. Well, one you can of, argue it's already happened. But after all, yeah, absolutely. It was in apocalypse, and one of its effects was to reduce the support for the public school system and increase the support Thank for public schooling and yep. other alternatives. Yep. That can happen. Well, you know, my thing has always been, and I've been screaming because it's always been from 96, that it was the rebirth of Freedom's Phoenix from this. I, it was inevitable. It was baked in the cake. This is going to happen. Okay? I mean, there was no doubt in my mind. You know, so I, man, the petrodollar is going to resurrect itself. It's going to be worth something again. It's never going to zero. We'll still be using it. They're going to go, all right, I'll make a prediction, an open prediction. They are going to go central bank digital currency. They're going to have to trade in for the new purple script money, and uh, I suspect they're going to want to make any competing cryptocurrency uh, has to be counterfeit. They don't want competition, and they want surveillance. That's coming. And then it's going to have food shortages, and food shortage, oh, there's going to be plenty of food, but it's going to be, you know, $40 steaks. How soon are there going to be? Yeah, $40 steaks, I can believe, in a few years. That only requires oh, hell, a few months. About 100%. <laughs> But but I, I want to I want to nail down your prediction. Uh, how soon do you think that food prices, in measured not in dollars, but in the number of hours of labor that it takes, say an unskilled worker before to earn, Christmas, earn it? You think that'll? Yeah, I don't think they can be, stop will, it. Will be at least twice as high as they now are. I don't know twice, but I mean, it, twice is a lot. It's already gone up a god awful amount. You, you don't, you don't have to say before Christmas. I want to know how soon it is going to take twice as much, twice as many hours of work for a worker, actually more or less any sort. But I would take the simple case of the low end worker to buy the amount of food he now buys. I would say I, I, I really sincerely am preparing, you know, for this, you know, inevitability in my mind before spring. Very you know, good. so, so we now have a prediction. Yep. And when what, is it, what is it? June twenty third, twenty twenty two. Ernest Hancock believes you're going to see happen to food price. Well, hell, it's already happened. I'm like already won. You know, it's going to happen to food. What happened to fuel? It's going to go two, three times between now and next spring. That is my Very prediction. Very good. That's a nice, simple prediction. We'll see if it's true or not. And but what does that mean? And it may spike, and then, of course, the free market will do, and people will start producing, and they're going to be planting for spring. And if they haven't already this year, they're sure as hell are for next year. We have, we have your prediction. And, yeah, and, absolutely. I think I'm, I think I'm conservative is, on that one. If it, if it That's not, if there's even dollars. We'll find out. <laughs> if, 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 if it does not happen, are you then prepared on your uh, podcast? Oh no, they're writing it down now already. I always do this. They are, are, they write it down the the you, date and the time. Are you prepared to then say I was wrong? Oh yeah, well it happened or it didn't happen. Yeah, 
you know. And, and to what degree didn't it happen? All of a sudden, oh, man, the dollar, it saved. You know, they, you know we're all good. It's, dollars, don't worry about dollars it. Dollars will still be functional money by spring. They will be worth a little bit less than they are now. Wow, define that little bit less. What are you, what are you thinking? That's an interesting question. By spring. And compared would, to what? I, I would be surprised if uh, the value of the dollar was reduced by now even by spring I would say even 10% would be surprisingly high wow that now you there will be compared to what i mean you like oh, we're talking food fuel shelter i i was going to sorry the gold i mean what do you what no, do you mean gold is interesting uh, in terms of the purchasing power of the manpower in terms of, in terms of the combination of goods that people buy the standard way a price index is done is to say, roughly speaking, take all the things that people bought last year, how much, how many dollars would it cost to, to buy the same things this year? See, I remember I, in... I, I do not expect the, the, the price index to go up by spring by as much as 10%. I expect that price... But you got to be careful there, because in 05, I remember what they did. Because of cost of living adjustments for entitlements and Social Security, they needed to raise it, and they go, yeah, we're just going to take energy, food, and fuel, you know, or shelter or whatever off the consumer price index, and... I don't believe that is the case. I don't think it's the case that the consumer price index does not include uh, energy or food. Oh, no, they did it in 05 to do the cost of living adjustment. Yeah, but you're talking, you're not talking about the consumer price index. You're talking about a particular way in which prices are used. There's a published CPI, and I will... Say it's extraordinarily unlikely that it omits food from the calculation, since that's one of the major things people pay for. Well, I'm sure there's many different indexes, but the one that they did to calculate the COLA for the increase in Social Security, they took or, out these is, other criteria. That is true or not, I do not know. Okay, well, I and do. <laughs> you, the fact that you know it does not mean it's true. It's oh, not okay. True. Let's Lots find of us out. Know. <laughs> but what I, I want to know is definition of the CPI. Yeah, in fact, it was, um, you know, with uh, uh, inflation and everything, like Mitch Shedlock, all these guys, they come up with a whole new freaking number to get M3 and everything so that they could, you but know, then, accurately M, but, determine but it. M1, M2, and M3 are not definitions of all right, price let's level. All right, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Your definitions Consumer price index, index uh, COLA 2005. Okay. I'll just, you know, yeah, well, see I what's want a up. consumer price index, not consumer price index for COLA, but fine. You find out your thing first. Cost of living, uh, labor statistics, inflation calculator. Yeah, I'm, you know, we should have this prepared to do it. I'm sure we can, you know, get whether I'm full of crap or not. You know, and I'm sure the audience out there is checking, you know. Um, okay, what was the CPI in 2006? Anyway, inflation rate for the outside was price index for reserve. Because, what, yeah, go ahead and, you know, um, it was 2005, Social Security cost of living. Okay, this might be the survivor uh, disability, purchasing power implied by yada, 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 used to calculate the cost of living, COLA. Uh, some argue that the current index does not. Some Okay, now what site is this? SSA, socialsecurityadministration.gov. This is Social Security Administration's page. Fine, let me look at what they say. <coughs> hmm. 
Well, here, let me find you know the pertinent. Okay, well, just look, you know. All right, you go check it. So this has been uh, something that when you use a number, they've always, you know, altered the number. You know, they change the number. They get the number the way it's just another dial that they turn. I'm looking for principles. This is saying so far is that some people think that it should be defined in a way which makes it, you've got an incoming call, it makes it larger, and some people think it should be done in a way that comes in smaller. Okay, let's see. Uh, so market current index does not accurately reflect the inflation experienced by seniors and others that COLA should be larger. Others argue that the measure of inflation underlying the COLA has technical limitations that cause it to overestimate changes in the cost of living. Let's see, the authors, yada, 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 yada. It was, yeah, I'm looking for the energy. Okay, we're back. We took a break and we we're taking a look at it because I, I distinctly remember this and it's been referenced a lot of times when I look. Um, David showed me that it's, uh, no, currently right now it does include energy, shelter, food, and so on. But you were saying that it might be the core CPI of something, what, what did it say? One of the many things that is defined is something called the core CPI, which does not include uh, food or energy on the grounds that they change fast. And if you want to see what the trends are, you may want to ignore them for a while. You obviously can't continue to ignore them. But the CPI, but in any case, the question is our predictions. And my prediction is that the CPI, which does indeed include food, food fuel, and housing, will not go up by more than 10% by spring. See, I your prediction, I thought, was that it would go up by much more than 10%. It's not your oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'm, I'm comfortable saying that. But I want to make sure that when we're dealing with a government number, one, it's a government number, so that doesn't have a whole lot, you know, credence with me. But, you know, what are they, the number is derived from? Well, you're saying that there is a core CPI and a separate one. One includes it, and there is this other one that doesn't. And which, CPI, is on, which one are we using? The CPI, huh. I already said okay. that. I've said so, that several times over. Okay, so that's core CPI is a separate thing yes, other I'm than... Yes, I'm not making a prediction about the core CPI. I'm making a prediction about the CPI, and you're making a prediction about the CPI, and by spring we will find out which of us was right. And uh, by spring, you're saying that of the, the CPI, food, energy, shelter included... Okay, because I see the reason I'm skeptical about these numbers is because in 05, when they had to do a cost of living adjustment by law for entitlements and senior citizens, they changed the calculation so they didn't have to give them as much money. That, that did happen. That may, for all I know, be true. You know? I don't know whether it's true, but it's not okay. relevant to our present right. conversation. So what we're talking about is in the consumer price indexes, whichever one they're using, that I think I'm safe on either one, is that by this spring... There will or will not be a 10% increase from in inflation present, from, from, present level. from the present, which is now summer of 22, June. First day of summer was, what, yesterday or something, okay? So I'm going, yeah, I, from my scanning and doing research and doing the news, I am of the opinion that food is going to skyrocket and we're going to really see the shortages um, by harvest time of livestock and food by harvest uh, Halloween. And I think we'll see what how it affects, you know, Turkey Day and Christmas and but so I on. I put it in terms of an actual measurable number. Yeah, no, yep, absolutely. And, 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 and we, we agree that if, it is, if, if, if the in, 
increase in the consumer price index is less than 10 percent. As it's currently calculated. As it's currently calculated, then I am correct. And if that is the case, then you are wildly wrong because you think it's going to be much more than 10 percent. Well, no, wildly I'll be wrong, but... uh, you and, know, ten percent seems way low to me. That happens. I want to see whether you then revise your picture of the world, which, as far as I can tell, is a cartoon, not a real picture of the world. No, my real picture. Oh, what do you think my picture of the world is? The one you've just been describing—it's one where everything is very highly colored, and there are all these people who want to get you and run your life for you, and where things, where, where because they're doing those are shiny badges do, and, and, yep. because, and because they're doing the wrong things, the catastrophe is, is looming, though you hope the catastrophe will then ultimately have good effects, right. and I'm saying that I think that things may well get steadily worse for a long time. I'm not predicting they will. I think the future, the prediction is very hard, especially about the future, it's something we said a long time ago, yeah. but I think it will be very surprising if they get as rapidly worse as you seem to imagine. Why, why do you think that is? You, you think there's, what, what's going to stop an erosion? Enormous, there's enormous inertia economy and a political system and all sorts of things. Well, when you say that, of course, there's going to be many people that are going to, you know, have, you know, tenured salaries. There's many people that have lots of savings. There's many people that, you know, will benefit from all this stuff. You know, are are we talking for, you know, David and friends or are we talking, you know, over a, a general population, a malaise? Are we generationally? Well, who do we include in general population? How are we determining that? Everybody in the U.S., the world is not going to get strikingly worse in the next couple of years. You know, that's kind of a, a subjective thing, but I am thinking some of the things like we're seeing now, fuel prices are such that they have to make, uh, they're already on the edge, and now they're pushed over. Fuel they're price, going into debt. Fuel prices are very high. Food I prices. Do not, I do not you go shopping? I do not, I do not <laughs> expect that fuel prices will They may crash. I mean, you know that you know, we've been through this before. It spikes up and then it doesn't. But it's not going to be dollar fifty nine a gallon for diesel like I was paying last year. I don't see that coming. But maybe you never know. Where I was, it wasn't a dollar fifty nine. And uh, Oklahoma and uh, you know the summer of twenty, man, they were giving it away. <laughs> but No, part of the reason why I think that fuel is more likely to keep going up than, than food is that the present uh, government uh, believes that on the whole fossil fuels are a bad thing, and although it's not willing to stop producing them, it is generally hostile enough to put pressure on people who are producing them to produce less and to drill less and so forth. And that may change. It may even change in, in this November. Uh, Why do you think inflation is, is you think inflation is going to get out of hand? You're, you're thinking it won't. No, no. That's what you define as getting out of hand. I think inflation is going to continue. Uh, the, the, the real puzzle, which I have not seen the people responsible discussing, is not why we're having as much inflation now as we're having, but why it took so long. Because right. In fact, the money supply was expanded very, very radically, uh, very rapidly. So my guess is that we will have substantial levels of inflation for another several years, but I doubt that we will have a hyperinflation. Uh, we're not going to see prices going up 100% a month, probably not even 100% a year. Uh, 
But in terms of the general system, I want to go back to Smith's, there's a lot of ruin in a nation. I think things, if I look at, at sort of the history uh, of the world, uh, things very rarely change as rapidly as you're imagining. What do you, do you care about political seasons? I mean, I kind of march time by, you know, elections or something, but really I don't really I worry about elections. I, but what do you think is going to happen think, for this midterm thing? I think in the, my guess is that the midterm, the Republicans will take at least the House and maybe the Senate. And that will be in a number of ways an improvement, probably not in all ways an improvement. Uh, I don't have, I'm afraid that we're going to have an election uh, the next presidential election with the choices between Trump and either Biden or somebody else with similar views, in which case I will vote for neither of them, of course, and I won't be very happy about that because I think that Trump is a loose cannon and the Democrats are particularly making the world worse. Uh, but we will see. Well, the society is going to, you know, favor leave me aloneism or they're not, and I, and I don't see society them representing... doesn't have an opinion. Some people who want to move in a libertarian direction and some who don't. And I'm afraid I cannot predict whether the net effect, say, over the next 20 or 30 years, which is more relevant than the next few months, uh, is going to be which direction it is. Because my experience in the past is that the world is usually moving in both directions at once. As my point before, that socialism in the traditional sense has lost a lot of support at the same time that government interferences with individuals justified by things like climate change has gotten much more much more support and i think that may decline because one of the effects of things people were doing was to make uh, fuel less available and that's going to make that a less popular position Europe, as you may know, the Germans have started burning coal again. Yeah. So, but I don't know. I mean, in a sense, environmentalism, and in particular the climate version, is sort of a religion. And I find it very hard to predict when religion, whether religions will, will expand, contract, whatever. Mark Twain, if I remember correctly, predicted that the Christian scientists would have a majority of Congress by something like 1920. Yeah. You know, well, I just see these as excuses, as tools, as mechanisms for gaining more control, not because the climate was just an excuse. It was just a reason. It was just a justification. Now, for some people, it's very important, I'm sure. But the people funding it, the people that benefit from these discussions or carbon tax credits or whatever the hell is going on, they don't give a crap as they're flinging around their jets. I mean, it's just I, I, I see the hypocrisy. The slogan on Freeman's Phoenix is uncovering the secrets and exposing the lies. I just got tired of being lied to all the time. You know, I was like, all right, tell me what's really up. And whenever I do it, you, it's supported oftentimes a lot by economics. You know, you can sit there and, and I was really impacted by a statement of, uh, an associate made one time in the 90s. And he goes, you want to see the future of a society, you look at what's rewarded and what's punished. And I can see the incentives are so jacked up. There's something happening at one that I want to attend. So yeah, 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 no, we'll let you go. Thanks for spending the time, David. You know, I, I think I'm glad we got, you know, we, we got a prediction, you know, that by spring, so let's say the CPI will have gone up the, by the less hides than of 10%, March. Would have gone up by less than ten percent. All right. Your prediction, I believe, is oh, more. substantially more. Uh, well, it's going. I don't know how they're calculating, but it's going to be a lot more. Right. Thank you, David. Thank you. Peace, brother.